0: everyone. Before we start the episode, Matt and I wanted to note that since this episode was recorded, somebody mentioned in our conversation has been publicly exposed or condemned for wrongdoing, whether Me Too-related or otherwise.
1: Because making these seasons of And the Winner Still Is involves so much research and coordination, we typically begin recording episodes well before we plan to post them. And while that usually just means we don't know who won Best Picture in the latest Oscar race, in this case, it means we will be discussing a public figure without the context of that exposure. So, uh, please keep that in mind while you
0: listen, and we hope you still enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to the PopBreak.com's official Oscars podcast, hosted by Marissa Carpico and Matt Taylor. Everyone, this is Marissa Carpico, the film editor at thepopbreak.com. Um, I am here with uh, our TV editor, Matt Taylor. Say hello, Matt. Hi, everyone. And we are back for another episode, and the w- of and the winner still is. Um, this is our first episode of our second season, as it were. Um, we've been watching movies. We've been we just been watching movies, basically. That's
1: really done <laughs> nonstop. <of> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a pile of movies sitting on my desk, and I literally have like on a calendar, like, you gotta watch this one that day, you gotta watch this one that day. It's yeah. insane.
0: I've been bouncing around. The first one I was a little more like, I'm gonna start with, like, make sure I don't watch anything from too late. This time, I'm just like, fuck it, I'm watching everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, whatever's available at the library. Um,
1: <laughs> it's the but, way to uh, do this
0: it. Year, this year we're doing 1996.
1: Um, a a year when we were both alive, but you barely. Basically, <laughs> my brother was born this year. It's the it's like that, that was the big the big topic in my house.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I, I feel like we've done. Two of two of the the like Taylor House birthdays. We haven't done any of uh, or like <laughs> birthday years. We got to do my year at some point.
1: I we got that. to. We ha- we have to. It's just a birthday celebration every time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. So yeah, 1996. Um. I'll give you some background on it. That's the 69th Oscars. Um. It was on March 24th, 1997, at the Shrine Auditorium, uh, hosted by Billy Crystal. This is the period of time when Billy Crystal was just like basically the permanent host after like Bob Hope. Um. <laughs> And uh, the winner was, for the best picture, was The English Patient. It was produced and distributed by Miramax. So we're going to have to talk about the Weinsteins today. So that's fun. Um, <laughs> it happens. I mean, that's, that's the thing about the mid-'90s. The entire conversation is Miramax. And, like, late-'90s. And then, like through the early two thousands, realistically, it's all Miramax and and the Weinstein's, unfortunately.
1: You know what I was thinking um, about, and like mm. on, along that line, we're recording mm. this episode like two months before it's actually going to come out because we're we're being prepared this time. And I'm like, what if everyone we talk about gets canceled in the next two months? <laughs> and I was just like, this is the risky run when you talk about the Oscars. I think. <laughs> yeah.
0: No. I mean, truly, uh, who knows? Who knows? Because who knows could be who could be canceled next? I mean. Uh, it, uh, probably well deserved a lot of it. Let's get oh it yeah, hundred
1: like, percent. Yeah,
0: no, <laughs> no, no one's, being,
1: been no one's well, being canceled for shitty reasons. When people get canceled, no, it's for yeah. good reasons.
0: Well, actually, actually uh, I consulted Matt the other day, and my coworker is officially canceled for saying Lily Reinhardt is not the best actress on uh, Riverdale.
1: Like I said, um, people get canceled for good reasons. Good reasons, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, KJ Apa over Lily Reinhardt is absurd. Um, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Miramax was down at this point. So, it's, and this is actually the year when, um, basically all, uh, the big awards are won by, uh, films distributed and produced by independent, um, studios. Mm-hmm. So this is the year that independent cinema basically takes over the Oscars and, and you'll, that'll sort of bear out in, um the movies we're going to talk about, which I wrote down all the companies for, which is a real unique choice. Um, But anyway, so The English Patient was the winner. Um, Pretty controversial uh, pick. We'll talk about that uh, later. But um, it won nine of the 12 awards for which it was nominated, including cinematography, art direction, slash set direction and editing, and then a bunch of the big ones. Um, And uh, it's one of the, there's like, you know, one of the, still at the time, it was like one of the most, the highest uh, amounts of awards for uh, any single movie to win you know up there with i mean next year things changed. next year's the big old titanic um it got knocked down on the list a little bit but it put it with like ben-hur and shit which won like 11. um it made 78 million dollars domestic and 153 million dollars foreign um like in the foreign markets and then it only cost 27 million to make which is um a shitload of money <laughs>
1: Good for I mean, them. That, or not for good for them. They're terrible people who made the money off of it. But I'm happy the right. movie was a hit.
0: <laughs> well, actually, not not too bad. I mean, it, I, In Inside Oscar, the, the book we both read um, about the Oscars, I mean, we've mentioned it many times. You, you guys have heard of it now by this point. Um, they mention that uh, nobody – originally it was supposed to be uh, a Fox picture, um, but Fox didn't – said something. Basically was like, we don't want Kristen Scott Thomas. Who is she? Let's do Demi Moore or someone <laughs> – <laughs> and let's do Demi Moore or someone else and the producers were like absolutely not um the book is by Damien Bonham by the way I should always mention him when we talk about the book um but they were like absolutely not so they lost all their funding so um uh Sydney Pollack convinced um the Weinsteins to uh fund um the English patient but they didn't give them a shitload of money they gave them like a little bit of money um so uh the producers like in their put producers and um Saul Zanes is the I think I'm pronouncing that right the producer um put in his like five million dollars his own money to make the thing and like the crew and cast had to take like a back-end promise essentially of like if this makes money you'll get paid like crew members like camera people so (laughs) some of that money actually you know didn't go to the Weinstein's this is great it paid for the actual making of the film so Uh, you know, not as bad as originally thought, but yeah, it's got a wild production history that I, I didn't know until reading that chapter. Um, so it's notoriously one of those, uh, undeserving winners. Um, I, I'm sure Matt and I have opinions about that idea. Um, but so Matt, why don't you go into your, uh, experience with the film and history with it?
1: Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Um, my whole, knowledge of the film was the Seinfeld episode, actually, um, about the English patient. I don't know if you've seen it, but for those who haven't, like, um, Elaine basically has to go see the movie for, um, I think think with her coworkers, if I remember correctly, and she, like, hates the movie, and she's the only one that hates it in the office, and, like, it causes, like, tension in the workplace. Um, I hate Seinfeld, as a quick side note, (laughs) like, except for Elaine-centric episodes. But, um... Even, like... That was my entire knowledge of the film, basically. No one in my family... I even checked before recording. Like, no, n- neither of my parents have ever seen it, The English Patient. Oh. Um, probably because my brother was born that year, so they probably were just like, what's a movie? But, right, um, I, and you were, you were what, too? I mean, there's no way they were making it to films. No, but um, it's just, like... Uh, I, so, like, I had no idea what to expect, but I watched it in college at some point, and I liked it a lot at the time. And then, um, returning to it for this podcast it's funny, like, I feel like the, com- like, my, my film taste, not as, film, my film taste hasn't changed, but it's like, I've grown to appreciate more certain types of movies that I was always, like, afraid to, like, openly love because, like, just, it's like, the the culture online can be a little aggressive sometimes about certain genres. So it makes, yeah. like, it used to be me questioning, like, why do I like this that people say is bad? And now I'm just like, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, also just, I wish movies like this were made these days. But, um... No. Returning to it, I really like this movie. Um, I think it is a great sort of, like, sweeping, melodramatic romance. Um, it's just, like, you know... I It doesn't resonate with me as some of, like, the Best Picture winners, Best Picture nominees, or even, like, films from this genre. Like, I don't necessarily have the love for it that I have for other movies that will be... Including many that we'll be talking about in the coming um, seasons. But... Um, it's, like, really, like, it's, like, so perfectly made for exactly what it is where I'm, like, why would you hate it? I don't even think it's that long. Like, for yeah. a movie that's, like, what, two hours 42 or something like that, like, it's, like, I, I've never – I was never bored. Like, there's never a time when I'm, like, oh, like, I think this could have been cut. Like, it all feels very, very important along the way.
0: Well, it's funny. You you and I both had a similar sentiment uh, on, on the length of the film because uh, we were joking about this uh, in our sort of private chats. Like, you know – why are all the movies for 1999 four and a half hours long? What is going on? Like, wh- or, or 1996, like, what's happening in the mid-90s? Why are all of these movies so fucking long? Um, and this is a long one, but we both in our letterbox reviews were like, I mean, it's too long, but, like, what do you cut? There's, mm-hmm. there's no clear front-runner for what you cut.
1: Exactly. Everything feels important. Like, mm-hmm. every character really does have an arc, essentially. And yeah. it's also just, like, truthfully, like, I was never bored watching it, like that's the main thing, like it's like that's like my big test of like with the movie and it maybe yeah. that's a basic thing, but I was just like like you know, I was never bored. I was constantly like interested in what's going on, and it was my second time watching it. so it's like for yeah. me to wait ever, yeah, I'm pretty sure, ever wow. yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um yeah cuz I didn't see it till college but Yeah, I guess um, that
0: makes sense. I just I, you know, we'll get into it. It's fine. Yeah.
1: No, yeah, <laughs> I'm very I'm very excited to hear your thoughts. Um, <laughs> I, I want to hear them. Let's go. <laughs> uh
0: yeah. So, um I mean, uh, those of you who follow follow me on Letterboxd will know that this is foundational to my existence as a as a person, as a woman, uh, as, a, as a filmgoer. This is the first year that I cared about the, um, the Oscars. I, re- I mean, we watched Seinfeld in my household at the time, and my family was, was very pro, pro-English patients. So we were a little like, I mean, listen, the point of the show is that they're dumb. Of course you can't trust Elaine. <laughs> what does she know? She can't even dance. Um, but for some reason, America was like, yes the English patient does suck. And I'm like, I don't know, looking at the rest. I mean, we'll talk about those too, but some of the other films this year, not, there's some real garbage, <laughs> like some real garbage <laughs> is in this batch. And this is like well-made, uh, you know, directed by Anthony Minghella from a, from a script he wrote off of a book that I've read, by the way, because I, I watched, I watched this. I mean, this film is foundational. It was one of my, I still call it one of my favorite movies of all time and did for many, many years. Ugh. And like I, I still count it. Like rewatching it, I was like, okay, I am not sure. I can't even analyze it because I've a seen it so many times. I saw it in theaters once or twice, I think, and then on TV thousands of times after afterwards. Um, and I like, I don't know. I can't analyze it because it was the truly the first Oscars I cared about. I remember watching the the show and, like, being so excited every time it won something, which was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's always been really baffling to me, like, as a person who went to film school and whatever, that, like, this is always considered a bad one, which, like, I mean, you touched on this before. I think it's a lot about, like, it, yeah, because it's a big sweeping romance picture, like, that's not cool for boys, so boys hate it. You know what I It's just that Yeah. Thing.
1: No, it's like, it's funny that this movie and then Titanic and Shakespeare in Love won three consecutive years. Mm -hmm. And like, all three of them are hated Best Picture. I don't know if Titanic's a hated Best Picture winner, but there's definitely... It's
0: pretty hated. I feel like the more I ask people in the film community, the more I hear bullshit about it, which like... I mean, well, I mean, I'll get to a talk. Uh, we'll talk about it in a couple episodes. But I had a friend once come say that he liked Cleopatra more than Titanic, and then we, <laughs> we 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 watched Cleopatra, and he was like, "I was
1: completely wrong." Yeah, because it's like I don't know. Those three movies became such, such popular punching bags, and I'm yeah. I'm just like I don't know. When you watch a lot of movies, like mm-hmm. like you and I are watching a lot of movies every year. Like you're watching a lot of movies every day, and I'm I admire you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just like you know how could those movies be the bad ones? Like, it's like, really, that's how I see it. It's like, even... You don't have to, like, love it. Like, I totally understand not loving a movie like The English Patient or Shakespeare in Love. But it's like, to think, like, this is a bad movie, I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, it's (laughs) like, just say you hate women. Like, that's that's what I feel.
0: The craft of this film is undeniable. It's beautifully shot. That's why it won a fucking award for it. Mm -hmm. Um, The acting is great. The direction is brilliant. I mean... I've read that book, and I'll tell you, I don't remember a fucking thing about it. And I didn't... I read it in, like, the last 10 to 15 years. It's not like I read it when it came... You know, not 1995, I wasn't sitting there with Michael Ondaatje's, like, the English patient in, like, I don't know, fifth grade or whatever the fuck. Um, Which would have been not unlike me, though.
1: (laughs) What is advanced fifth grader?
0: I don't think I asked for it. You know what I mean? I think I was trying to struggle my way through, like, fucking King Arthur at that point. Um, But... Like, that book is really, and they talk, I mean, you talk, you can see from interviews and stuff, Anthony Minghella talking about it. Like, it's not a linear story. And this, and the film isn't either. But, like, the book is even more episodic and a little more oblique. So, like, I remember reading it and being like, is the story the same? Did they make it up? Like, what's happening? <laughs> and I was, like, in high school. It's not like I was a kid who couldn't, like, figure it out. I was just like, what's going on? Or, like, early college even. So, I don't know. I just, it's. The fact that they got this film from it is is impressive. But like it's well made. Watching Mm -hmm. it, like it's undeniable that it's well made. There's spectacle and romance and the chemistry is like insane. I mean, I like I always joke that like Ray finds in this movie is my sexual awakening. And I it's a joke, but I also couldn't point to anything earlier. So I think it's true. Like that's fascinating to me. (laughs)
1: Like he's a handsome man though, handsome man.
0: He's so fucking hot in this movie. Like, you have to like. The thing is that he's played like less hot dudes since because I think he's sort of working against that that how hot he is in this movie. Like, <laughs> Kristen Scott Thomas, in a uh, talking about it at the time was like, it's weird to be in a movie where you're you're the guy you're acting against is hotter than you or whatever or like more beautiful than you. And it's like, I mean, facts are facts, America. But <laughs> they're both beautiful, huh? That's the thing is that like at the time. It's funny, like, rewatching it this time, I was like, but also, like, um, the moment in Fleabag earlier this year when Kristen mm. Scott Thomas shows up. Like, I remember watching the movie at the time and thinking, like, ugh, we want to be her. Like, look at this man. But now I watch it and think, like, I think I want to be both of them because they're <laughs> both so hot that I would either one, Do you know? I
1: just want to watch. Like, That's what I want.
0: <laughs> oh, exactly. And, and we get to. We And too. when Kristen <laughs> Scott Thomas showed up in, um, in uh, Fleabag earlier this year. I was like at the airport waiting, <laughs> waiting to fly back from Palm Springs to to New York City and I had no idea she was coming. And all of a sudden she shows up and then there's this like scene of high sexual tension. And I was like I was like, someone's gonna think I'm a terrorist because I'm freak I'm like flailing around <laughs> in this half empty airport in the middle of like nowhere. Well, there's like ten people in here. But I'm like I'm like basically using my smelling salts to stay alive. Like cause I just couldn't handle I was like this, this is the dream. Like, this is the
1: dream. <laughs> Can I just oh. say, we yeah. really have, like, not done right by Kristen Scott Thomas, I think, since The English Patient. Like, fact, fact. It's just insane to me that, like, she did so little. Like, truly, I think, there's definitely other things I've seen her in, but, like, the only thing that jumps out into my mind that I also have seen her in recently is Only God Forgives, which is, like...
0: I say the same thing.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I will say, I think she kind of kills it in that movie, that very, very silly movie. But, um, like, she deserves more than just that movie. <laughs> Absolutely. She's great in that garbage movie. And then, like... the And then the
0: most notable thing since has been F***ing Fleabag, where, like, mm-hmm. you know, the only person to show her the absolute... The, the respect she deserves is Phoebe Waller-Bridge.
1: Yep, it's, like... I don't know, and... It just it's it's so gross. She's also, like we talked about in the Four episode, like, she's one of the best things about that movie, and I'm just like, justice for Kristen Scott Thomas. Like, I've heard she did a few French films that Absolutely. are very good that I haven't seen, but um, yeah. but yeah. you know, that's on me. Oh, I've
0: seen a, I think I've seen one or two of them. I, I, most of the time, if her name is on something, I try to go see it. So like, I've seen a, a good number of things that she's been in, but like, listen, it's tough sometimes you know mm-hmm. like yeah. you can only I can only do so much I'm only one person and I already watch a lot of films but if it's you know <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: We're, you're already carrying so many great character actresses on your back
0: like it's exactly like... I, I've only I'm only one woman and honestly it's like some of her shit is hard to find just because it's like I mean they put her in garbage a lot mm-hmm. it's just so annoying um uh, but yeah uh, the English patient is I just I, I I'm sure I would have if I had only if I had never seen it. And I watched it for this project. Perhaps I would have different thoughts about it. Like maybe I could be a little more less precious about what is what needs to be cut, or I don't know anything. But I just don't think I can possibly do that. You know, something is, when something is too integral to your your life and who you are, I just it's beyond. But oh, it's yeah. interesting. Like I, I find that I like for me it's obviously like touchstone, but every time I mentioned it, basically from from 1996 on. Most of the people my age or younger are just, like, never seen it, basically never heard of it. And I'm just like, what, what's going on? But yeah. I don't know. It's weird.
1: It has, like, weirdly disappeared as, a, as an Oscar winner. Like, I think the length probably has something to do with that. Like, I don't think a lot of yep. people who are just looking for a movie to watch are going to, like, do a three-hour movie. But, um, yeah, it's a shame because I think it is good. And the reputation it has is just not deserving at all. Um, yeah.
0: It's also a tragedy, and I and I think you'll, um, like, the film itself, not not just the fact that it's disappeared, um, <laughs> but, I mean, like, the film itself is, like, a romantic tragedy, and also, uh, you touched on it earlier, of, like, they don't make this these films anymore, mm-hmm. and the last time they made these films, we made fun of them so hard that people thought they were unappealing,
1: you know? Yeah, which is a shame, like, I, I you know, I, not to make it all about, like, the state of cinema, but I think you kind of have to, like, this summer was so depressing at the movies, basically, of just, like, it really does feel like it's, like, just comic book movies and, like, Disney remakes, and Mm -hmm. I try really hard not to be cynical about that, because, like, I'm, it's not like the film industry is going to just suddenly die, (laughs) but, like, um, you know, it's just, like, these movies don't get made anymore, and it's so frustrating to me, because, um, like, I don't know, like it's like w- w- aren't we all bored yet? <laughs> like I'm just like, aren't we tired? And now it's like we have things like Joker being discussed for best picture, and I'm like, I would do anything to have another costume drama. <laughs> like I really would. It's like enough Absolutely. with what we're getting. It's so it's so upsetting.
0: That's that is why Little Women feels like this oasis that at the end of the year that I just have to like get through everything else for. It's like, well, hustlers will sustain me for this long and then something else will come along. But like, mm. yeah, I don't know. This the This year of movies, I mean, the, you're right. The summer has been really depressing. And, like, I feel like I've had a, a hard time finding things to watch in the theater. And I love mm-hmm. to go to the theater. So, like, if I'm having trouble, something is up. Like, I'll watch Garbage and I don't care. Like, but if I'm, if even I'm, like, that's too garbage for me to get out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's funny because it's not even like I'm, like, this is garbage. <laughs> like, like, you know, a good example. Men in Black is a movie where I wasn't, like this is bad, but I was also just like, this is so aggressively fine that I'm like, I would do any, I would almost prefer bad. Like I'd almost rather leave the theater angry than leave the theater. Like, well, like I could have done anything else for those two hours, but yeah, um,
0: I found it enjoyable, but it is so minor. mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like, and this movie has so much meat to it. Like, I mean, the, the romance, I guess, I guess there are people who don't know what it's about. Um, but, but I should, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll go through it. Um, the English patient, the titular English patient is a burn victim who we see get burned at the beginning. He's flying a plane. Kristen Scott Thomas is at the front. Um, I, we see her at the beginning, yeah. Um, and then he gets shot down because it's like World War II and he's in the desert. Um, and uh, then it flashes forward a bit. And it's near the end of the war, uh, and Julia Binoche is the nurse that he has, and she is um, damaged good. She thinks she's uh, um, a jinx, because everyone she loves gets killed in the war. But, like, you know, it's, it's Europe and... and- during World War Two, babe,
1: you know? Like, that opening montage of, like, three people dying. Like, I'm like, wrong. this poor girl. Like,
0: yeah, especially the one after she hands her the money and, like, she's like, hey, can I borrow, like, ten bucks or whatever? And she's like, all right, you have to pay me back. And then she gets blown <laughs> up. It's like, you know, that's just <laughs> fucked. Because not only did she just lose a friend, now she's broke. Yeah. She's <laughs> going to pay her back. Um, uh, for <laughs> <it's us. terrible. laughs> uh, So she, the the travel is really rough so she decides like hey we found a uh, an abandoned monastery essentially in italy L- let me take the patient there he's probably going to die soon anyway um and when i when he dies i'll, I'll catch up to you um and at the at the whole conceit of the movie is that we technically like she doesn't technically know who he is and he's supposed to have um uh, amnesia, but then the movie starts to flash back to this person um, who is Ray Fiennes, beautiful, beautiful Ray Fiennes, and uh, he is a a map maker, a cartographer, if you will, um, for the British government, essentially, um, and they're doing maps of Northern Africa, and uh, he gets a group together. They a group gets together to be to fund like a bigger map project, and uh, one of those, and they one of their big rich benefactors is Colin Firth. Um, just Colin Firth, the young, beautiful Colin Firth, and his, uh, his wife, played by Chris, Chris Kristen Scott Thomas. Um, and then they all sort of go through the desert together, and there's sexual tension, but she's married, and then it happens anyway, and boy, <laughs> is it hot. Um, that's it. And then back in the regular time, basically, um, there's a question of whether the English patient, the reason it's important that... Ray Fine's character hide his identity is that there's some uh, uh, rumors or whatever, I guess, or, or there, I guess there's, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't, I don't know what to call it, but I guess rumors that he collaborated with the Nazis, so, yeah, um, and then Willem Dafoe shows up to sort of add some tension to that, um, it all sounds weird saying it, because it's so, it's not episodic, but it's like, it's so split in its view yeah. that like, describing it sounds weird but it all works like the transitions between the timelines is seamless when you're actually watching it realistically don't you find
1: yeah it's very much just like it's like it's like reading a great book where it's like some mm. chapters are about julia Pinochet's character some are like these flashbacks and so you just kind of like ride with it and <laughs> um it's so good it's uh, i like i just i love this type of filmmaking so much and i miss it so much
0: yeah it's so sweeping and romantic in a way that like I mean, Titanic does it a year later, but like it's hard to think of things since then that have done romance and 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 like glamour in such a big way on such a big scale after this point, you know?
1: yeah, I truly I can't think of one. Like <laughs> Pearl Harbor might be the last one, like oh. that I can think of. And that I mean, but that movie made—that's what's funny. That movie made money. It's just that it's like remembered poorly. And I'm like, come on, like, just make them better. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's the truth.
0: (laughs) It's it's honestly not that bad. I I quite enjoy. I I read the novelization for that actually. Um, I mean, (laughs) I've never seen it
1: actually. Pearl Harbor. Oh, it's.
0: it's quite. It's actually quite good. They just talked about um, it in a
1: podcast to listen to as like one as like a queer man sexual awakening, and I'm like, should I watch it? Like,
0: <laughs> they're so tan and beautiful. Oh my god. Um, so, same in this
1: movie. Everyone's beautiful. <laughs> yeah,
0: there's That's the thing about it is that they're so gorgeous. Um, Ray, Ray Fiennes and, and Kristen Scott Thomas, and the the way they're shot is outrageous. Like. There's a scene later on. I won't say what it's about, but uh, when he's carrying her and the fucking mm-hmm. wafting of the of the the that that fabric, it's like how dare, how dare, <laughs> you, how dare you make be- an image so beautiful? Um, they went there. and their chemistry is wild. Like, oh, they absolutely go there, but their chemistry is so fucking wild. There, there's a scene where um, I think it's like they finally. They finally sort of make it explicit that there's something going on between them. Like, the two of them finally, like, acknowledge it. And instead of, like, kissing or anything, he reaches up and puts the, like... Rest the back of his hand against her neck, essentially, which is sounds insane. Like it should, like someone did that to you, be like, "What are you doing?" You know I mean? But like in, in this context of the film, you're like, "Holy shit!" Like you're gonna burst into flames any second. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, a
1: hundred percent. Like. It's, I never really, even after seeing this movie once, like, I never really thought of Ray Fiennes in, like, a sexual way before. Like, I just, like, I don't know. Most of his movies have been, like, not very sexual.
0: No, I get it. Because this is the thing about him. Like, ever since then, he's played, like, Voldemort. So it's like... It's tough to see him that way. But, like, this was my first introduction, so, like, I've been slowly disappointed over years. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was basically
1: like... just, like, I'm like, damn, like, he's sexy. It's weird. Like, so yeah. is his brother, Joseph finds who, uh, uh, like, yeah. awoke my sexuality in Shakespeare in Love, but we'll get to that. <laughs> like... Yeah.
0: oh, we will someday. We will. Um, yeah, Joseph is beautiful. I mean, I remember when, when Joseph appeared on the scene, and I was like, where...
1: Do they have a younger brother? Where can I get one? Like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> They're... Gorgeous family. And now, I don't know whose son it is. One of their sons mm-hmm. is um in that After series. Yeah. And his We're name is Hero, he, which is just he played, enough. He
0: played Baby Voldemort years, or two, years ago, too. Shit,
1: really? Ooh, damn, I never knew that. <laughs>
0: yeah, I've been keeping my eye on, eye on him.
1: <laughs> All I know is that his name is Hero, and I think that's maybe the worst name I've ever seen given to a human
0: being. Yeah, Hero finds his <laughs> dumb name, but I call me up, baby. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there anything else we want to touch on with The English Patient before we move on? I mean, we're going to talk about it more because it's, it's going to come up.
1: Yeah, it's n- nine of the times. We'll be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so we're going to go to talk about the other Best Picture nominees for that year. Uh, there were f- four more, um, some of them. Some. I mean, some of them as good or... I'm not going to say better than The English Patient. I, I can't do that to my, my beloved <laughs> Ray Fines. Um But... Some of them so much worse that it's embarrassing that they're in the same sentence. Um, So the first one is, uh, let's do Fargo. Um, I might just go into this one first since you did the last one first. Go for it. I've never been a big fan of this film. Uh, I find it condescending to its characters. Um, Briefly, it's a noir that takes place in uh, North Dakota,
1: right? Yeah, I think North Dakota
0: I was gonna say South Dakota, then I was like, why would it be? Why would be South Dakota? <laughs> um,
1: <clears throat> or, like Montana.
0: Uh, those are all states I cover for work. So I just was like, am I am I confused? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a, a modern neo noir that takes place in North Dakota. Um, it's got Francis McDormand, William H Macy. William H Macy's character um, uh, hires some contractors to kill his wife or kidnap his wife, um, and things go awry, and the the, the local police detective uh, on the case is Francis McDorwood, who's pregnant in it for some reason. Um, I think just to emphasize how different she is from, like, a normal noir um, mm-hmm. detective, like, you know.
1: It um, reminds me of that joke in Smart about um, when Jason Sudeikis character is talking about his detective series he's writing where the detective is pregnant and whenever she's close to a clue, the baby kicks. And yeah. I was just like, damn, is that... oh, man. <laughs> are they reading the Coen brothers to filth like 15 I years later, so. <laughs> 20 years yeah. later?
0: Yeah. Cause the thing for me is that it feels like it's condescending to its, to its characters of like, Oh, look at these dumb, you know, people who live in this like small town, nowhere, well, lo- losers. Um, and also, I just don't think the film is that interesting. Like, I don't know what fucking world it place, take, takes place in. It doesn't feel real to me. Um, and I don't know. It. it I, I never feel like it's very tense. Like, the the pacing is so plodding and sort of goofy for me that I just can never get into it. That said, I think William H. Macy and Francis McDormand are very strong. Um, but I find that, like, Steve Buscemi, like, bumbling, um gangster shit really boring and stupid um and the film is uh was distributed and made by uh, Gramercy Pictures by the way I'm going to name the uh the production comforter for each one just to emphasize that none of these are Fox or Universal or shit like that um how about you Matt
1: yeah uh, this is an issue I have with the Coen Brothers a lot which like I guess would get me banned from Film Twitter but it's whatever um like <laughs> I don't just like I, I don't understand the fascination they have with like these life is pointless movies and everything like that or like these movies about just like the dark sides of humanity. I just think like I don't know, it's so uninteresting and they've done it so many times where I'm just like, I'm like, do something new boys and um, this is one where I think it works slightly more for me because um it has moments that I think are very strong. like I forgot how much I enjoy. The scenes of like the kidnapping and the chase scene in the um on the highway and everything in the first third, like I was like, oh, like I like these scenes. These are well directed. The Cobblers are very talented filmmakers, and at times, certain films of theirs, I think, have worked really, really well. And like this one, at moments, I was like, oh, like this filmmaking is pretty strong. But then, once Frances McDormand gets introduced, really enough, as good as she is, like she's fine in this movie, um, because she's Frances McDormand, um. Like, once she's introduced, I just think, like, this movie is so, like, one note about, like, oh, like, they're mm. these two, like, it's like every character's quirky, and, like, they're going around solving this mystery, but they're quirky and everything. And then it's, like, jarring violence and everything. And, like, that, that wood chipper scene at the end, always, I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Like, that comes um, out of nowhere. Yeah, it just, you know, I think. They're very talented, and this movie, on, like, the spectrum of how I feel about coming with those movies, it's, like, it right in the middle. Like, I think it's fine. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think it's this bad movie or whatever. It's just, like, it's always funny to me, the films that, like, the film community tends to flock around with them. I'm just, like, I'm, like, I don't know. Like, we saw with yeah. Buster Scruggs this year of just, like, this obsession with nihilism is so uninteresting to me because I just think it's, like, it's what every male auteur has done in every medium for, like, ever. And it's, like, it's so... It's, like, try something new. (laughs) Like, for the love of God.
0: (laughs) No, I think that's a really good point. Particularly in their oeuvre, it's, like, so much of it is the same tone and worldview. And it's, like... And the only thing I think that changes is that I feel every... they, They get more remote and less interested in their audience as time goes on. Like, Buster Scruggs, I feel like is the least interested they'd ever been in the audience. So, like, if I they don't care, I don't... Why should I care? Like, right. it's just a, like, it's just, like, two brothers, like, jerking off in a corner. I don't give a shit. But, like, you're completely right about the nihilism. They've done it better elsewhere. I mean, I think A Serious Man is, like, possibly their best. It's like,
1: a- yeah, absolutely, it's their best. I love that. Yeah. That's the only one I think... I fully love, but I think that movie is a masterpiece.
0: I love Little brother where art thou too, but that's because it's different. It's the only tonally different thing, and I like a lot of those songs, because mm. um, I like I love country music and stuff like that, um, or that kind of country folky stuff. Um, but yeah, like I don't I don't know. It just this doesn't add anything to the conversation to them to me. Like it's the thing that allows them to make all those movies later, whatever. And maybe it felt it must have felt like. Very tonally different from everything in the '90s, but I don't know. Like Pulp Fiction is two years before, and I don't know. I think there's bleak stuff around. There's bleak shit in this. I mean, technically, The English Patient's fucking bleak, you know? Yeah. It's just also romantic. Um, it just it's more versatile than fucking Fargo,
1: you know? <laughs> it's like I, I don't know. Again, I agree with you. I think like if this if if we first saw this movie in '96 or whatever, like I'm sure I would have felt differently on some of them, like maybe a little more positive on it. So there is that whole like coming at it from an angle of like there's many movies that have been influenced by this, but also I just think it's like I don't know if I love how this movie and their work in general has influenced cinema. I just like I'm like I don't I don't care. It's like that's my main thing. It's a fine movie. I think I gave it three and a half stars, but I'm also just like i am like i do not mind i am like I d I don't mind. I'm like I I'll move on with my life afterwards. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I, I, I own it on DVD just because it was, you know, cheap or whatever. And I think I'd never seen it when I first bought it. Um, and I remember thinking while watching it this time, I'll never see this again. I just will never watch it again. I have no reason to watch it again. If somebody asks, I'll probably skip it. Like, unless I'm forced to for some reason, I really don't think I'm going to watch this film again. Because it just does nothing mm-hmm. for me for the most part. Um yeah, I, that's, I don't know. Is there anything else to talk about with that film? Do you, I don't know. I think that's kind of it for me.
1: We'll talk about the big things about it in the categories. Yeah. So like, but yeah, in terms of a movie, it's just like, you know, it's fine. We'll talk, I, I think the only other best picture nominee the Coen's have ever done, I feel much, um, I, I like much more. So I'll talk yeah. more about them then.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's just nothing else. We're, we're not hot on Fargo. It's There's nothing for us to talk about. Mm. Um. Why don't we do the one that we <clears throat> are certainly not hot on? Um, <laughs> this will be quick. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe we'll just rail on it for a couple minutes. Um, Shine. Why don't you tell the audience what Shine is?
1: Shine is – let me find the name right now because otherwise I, I will certainly not be able to pull it from um, memory. But Shine stars Jeffrey Rush as um, David Helgoth, who mm-hmm. um, – Helgot, I'm sorry – who is um, a pianist and – it explores his childhood and his relationship with um, his father, and the way their very hostile relationship influenced his like career and his mental mental health. And it, I mean, like, that's basically all you need to know. Um, yeah, that's what it, all the film gives us. Yeah, it's certainly all the film gives us. Um, well, I love that this movie was short. That was my main thing. I was like, oh shit, it's only an hour and forty five minutes. Thank God. But. Um, but, yeah, no, I, like, I, I don't know. Like, I I think falling back with musical biopics on, like, oh, like, it's really by the numbers is such, like, a cop-out when it comes to, um, like, criti- criticizing them. But also, like, this movie gives us nothing else to work with. <laughs> and yeah. it really does come down to it's, like, it's, it's funny because the film's director – is um Scott Hicks, who I think really does try very hard to like show off how powerful the filmmaker he is and there's some really well done scenes but like he doesn't give a shit about this story <laughs> like it is like truly it is the most by the numbers exploration of someone's life with just it happens to be like very well directed but like I don't even think he really has anything personal to say about like this story. it really just feels like it's like a this is an interesting story that people might enjoy seeing.
0: Well, the fascinating thing is that he was obsessed. He, like, stalked him, basically, to make the film. Because he, like,
1: uh, I don't
0: know, he read something, or I, I'm pra- paraphrasing Inside Oscar too again. But um, he, like, he chased him down. He wanted to do this movie so much that he, like, found Health God or whatever, or Health God or whatever, and his wife, and, like, hung around and, like, kept calling them essentially to make, get the rights to make this film essentially, and then wrote it. And it's like, so boring. It's, it's so, I don't know. There's nothing to it. It's like, he's young and then he's a little older and then suddenly he goes crazy or whatever, but we never see that on screen. Like one second he's passing out after playing the piano. And then the next he's getting shock treatments. It's like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck? Um, And like the, the the difference between Noah Taylor, who plays the uh, youngish version of him um, and Jeffrey Rush's version is that there's, they seem like entirely two, di- two entirely different people, but we never see how they, he gets there, you
1: know? Yeah. Their performances do not feel informed by one another whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if they really play him in totally different ways and I, it, t- it, t- it takes you out of it. I don't know. Yeah. Like they're both good in their own ways, I guess, but, um, just like not good as a unit.
0: Yeah, we'll probably talk about it a little more because um, Rush is out. Nom- was nominated? Well, is in the actor category. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird to me that like, I think Taylor is really good, and then Jeffrey Rush to me feels like a cliche or a like a like an SNL character,
1: you know? Yeah, Taylor's actually like is we'll get we'll get to it, but Taylor is better, I think, yeah. of the two. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right. I don't want to, I don't want to like, because we're going to talk about it in a minute anyway. But um, yeah, my, I saw this for the film or the, this project too. And it's, oh, it's produced uh, or distributed by Fine Line Pictures, um, another, which I don't, I don't think I've heard of in 15 years. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) I was like, wow, that's a name, that's a name we haven't talked about. Um, I think I was, I was watching, I was like, this is fucking garbage. Where, when is this, what, like, I was kind of with it up until the Taylor stuff. And then the last, like, Forty-five minutes or whatever. When Jeffrey Rush shows up, I was like, "What is this? Like, what's going on?" Same. I don't under where does where did the plot threads go? Like, what where's where is where's where's the emotional through line? I don't know.
1: One hundred percent same. Me. Me. And it, yeah. the <laughs> one thread that works with the with Rush, I thought, was um, his romance. Like, I thought that was yeah. actually weirdly interesting. And the rest of it, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> this is uh-huh. going over my head. <laughs> It's very, like, what,
0: like, she's with him because she has to be because the plot demands, but, like, what's the actual appeal between these two people? I don't know. Um, And especially in a year when romance is so forward in a lot of these pictures, it's, Mm -hmm. like, how, what's, what's here? Where's the meat of this thing? Like, is it the Rachmaninoff, like, being played over and over again? Because, like, okay, work, whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She's a fucking piano man um so yeah i don't know i just didn't get this film and i i'm i'm honestly looking at especially looking at it in this lineup like i don't like fargo but i can see what's going on you know what i mean oh yeah i can i can understand what it did for the culture uh, film wise and everything like i get that this i have i do not understand at all what the fuck happened here Um, it,
1: it made me wonder like which films from today that feel very <laughs> relevant will be like, no one will talk about in 20 years. And we'll be like, what was that one? Like, it's yeah. like, it's one of the, it's one of those movies, one of those classic, like forgotten best picture nominees.
0: Yeah. I'm sort of excited to get to that point with like, I don't know, uh, you know, the, the, the like moonlight year. Cause like, obviously Moonlight and La La Land will be important because of La La Land because of what, the the, the switch up, but like, what else?
1: What <laughs> oh else? yeah, I always forget you know? Hacksaw Ridge was a nominee, I was like, oh fuck, like. Oh my god, who the hell, I, honestly, honestly.
0: Um, and I kind of like that movie. <laughs> um, yeah, that's everything we gotta say on Shine, we're, we're cutting it off. Um, <laughs> the next one uh, uh, is Jerry Maguire. Um, you want to tell the people about Jerry Maguire?
1: Yes, because Jerry Maguire, I might not even going beat around the bush, is, um, like, my English patient, I think. Like, it is, one what? Of, it is one of those movies that, like, so thoroughly informed my, uh, like, my film taste and just my, like, um, my love for movies in general where, like, I cannot separate, like, like I, I cannot look at it objectively. Like, a certain thing where it's, like, I think it's genuinely great. Like, it's not, like, one of those movies where I'm, like, Oh, I love it, even though I know it's... Like, I do think it's, like, a genuinely great movie.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not Spice World. It's, you
1: know... Yeah, like, it's, like... It's a movie that I have a genuine love for, but, like, also it is one that is so, like... Just, like, in my, like, personal canon, where it's... I, um... I guess if my parents saw any movie in 1996, it, it was this, um, because we <laughs> owned it. My parents both loved it. It was... It had to have been like, the first R-rated movie I had ever watched, like, in general, oh. um, even though it, like, is at home. But, like, like I think my parents thought, like, the sex stuff would go over my head, but it did not, and it very much informed my early views of sex, and, um... Yeah, I, th- I was
0: definitely told during the English patient to avert my eyes, but I don't... I'm sure I did it the first watching, but when it was on television, who's to stop me?
1: Exactly. So, like, it's... It, like, this movie was very, like, informative to me as a kid. Um... I, I love romantic comedies from a very young age, so, like, this movie just, to me, felt like an excellent romantic comedy, and then, um, as I got older, I really just started to like it more, it became, like, I, I really like Cameron Crowe's movies in general up until, like, his bad years, um, but, like, his, like.
0: <laughs> and we all know what they are, too. Exactly.
1: It's, like, his run through the <laughs> 80s and 90s and early 2000s were great. Um, and I, um, so I really love Jerry Maguire for that reason. And then, like, in college, it grew, it, like, game is a whole new part of my life because, like, one day I just had a few friends over and, like, I have a big collection of movies and they were just, like, looking for something to watch. And they, they saw the DVD and they were like, what's this? that so they never heard of it before because I guess, like, their parents didn't watch it when they were kids. And, um, like, I think a, a movie poster of just Tom Cruise's face carries a different weight today than it did in, like, 96, because they were like, what is this movie with just Tom, H- Tom Cruise's face on it? Yeah. But um, I was like, oh, it's a really good romantic comedy. And we... I don't know how I convinced them to watch it, but we did. And it, it became, like, one of our group's just movies. Like, it's like, we have watched it so many times, but just just even, like, putting it on in the background as we, like, talk or drank. like, it's just, like... It's just... It's, like, such a good, crowd-pleasing movie, and I... I, I love it to death. I really do. I, I think it is – like, every performance is good. I think the script, like, is um, very well done. I love the dialogue. I, I mean, like, I love the way sports are thrown into it and like in a way that, like, I don't know if it's accurate to what sports are like, but it works for me, someone who doesn't know anything about sports. And I don't know. I, I just – this is, like, one of those movies that I genuinely put on and, like – just feel better about life after watching. I even fucking listened to that fucking Bruce Springsteen song. <laughs> That's it. Oh at one god. point, like, and I like that scene always gives me like the the cheesiest chills. I'm just like, oh my god! Like they're playing the song. This, <laughs> um, is, the
0: most, this is the most New Jersey thing you've ever said.
1: Absolutely, um. it's like this is this is the Jersey to be coming out. We'll so be <laughs> talking about Taylor Hams and <laughs> the shore.
0: <laughs>
1: um.
0: Yeah, I it's uh man, I was just re- looking at um Cameron Crowe's uh filmography again, and boy, does it really take a dive. Don't want to uh, talk
1: about it. I still haven't seen Aloha. So <laughs> like...
0: Um, yeah, it's funny. I I mean, I watched this at the time too. Uh, obviously, I, uh, by this point, my parents are just taking me to everything. Obviously, they never they were never really cared about um rating systems. They were like, y- you'll be, you know you're just ask questions, you know. <laughs> um, so. <clears throat> I remember seeing this and loving it at the time, and you know I watched it on TV a bunch afterwards. But it's probably been fifteen, twenty, twenty years possibly since I saw it. Oh wow! Um, and I was really excited to rewatch it because I was like, and I'd been meaning. It's funny I'd been meaning to rewatch it for a long time because I was like, you know, I love Tom like unreservedly. Like, well, that's not true. <laughs> um, there are many, <laughs> there are many issues with loving Tom, but I do love Tom.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the same some... boat. I'm like, I'm like, God. I hope he, like we don't ever find out anything anything bad about him any any more than we do.
0: Anything, anything worse? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like, mean, just at the border not... right now of like, I, he's, not canceled, but... <laughs>
0: yeah. he's not canceled, but he's not canceled, but he's it's flirting with it every single day, <laughs> it, it, minute by minute. Um, I mean, I think about those pictures of uh, Nicole Kidman walking out of their divorce lawyers' um, office.
1: Mm-hmm. After she signed the papers,
0: every single day. You have seen those,
1: yeah? Yeah, and I'm, I'm uh, I I I think I've mentioned before. I don't know if I ever mentioned it on Mike, but it's definitely come yeah. up. My mom is like very famous. Where it's like when there's a fame when like oh there's a high profile divorce. Like the man's movies are like. Banned from her canon, where she, like, yeah. so she loved Jerry Maguire in the 90s. And if, like, t- to this day, she denies ever liking it. Like, it's just like, because he divorced Nicole Kidman. She's like, I never liked Jerry Maguire. <laughs> and I'm like, there's proof, and she, it's, nope. Like, like every Tom Cruise movie is dead. Sorry. M- Mission Impossible. I was like, oh, the new one's really good. And she's like, yeah, but Nicole. And I'm like, it's been 20 years. Nicole's living her best life. <laughs> it's
0: so funny. Um, oh, my God. That's amazing. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Watching it this time, I was like, again, it's been a long time. So separated from all of that and, like, remembering liking it a lot, I was surprised by how the, the romance is kind of the B-plot. Weirdly, mm-hmm. for a lot of it, like even not not in terms of like it actually is the plot, but like it feels like B plot because it's there's so much sports stuff, like so much sports stuff, mm-hmm. and I love sports stuff. Like I've watched almost every Thirty for Thirty for ever made and almost every ESPN film I've ever made, but I found the sports stuff really boring in this, and sort of like, I mean, obviously the sports industry, or like uh, sports agents have their roles and like what athletes can can achieve publicly, I suppose, has changed since the mid-90s. I mean, uh, you know, it's a whole different thing. Like, especially, I mean, football especially, for God's sake. I mean, basketball took over, really, after this point. So, like, Mm -hmm. there's something even outdated in the idea that, like, somehow um, Cuba Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character could be this culturally important or, like, or that that, like, insane behavior could could really become appealing I mean the you know the LeVar Ball is a is a I don't know a sort of example of how this just wouldn't work today so it felt like I don't know the sports stuff just did not work for me in any conceivable fashion and honestly we'll get to it later but like particularly Cuba Gooding Jr. felt insane to me like what is this performance somebody rein him in no, um, yeah,
1: I will – that's probably the part that has aged worse for me. I think he's fine. And I think a big part of my opinion of his performance is just that he's, l- like, literally done nothing else <laughs> since this movie. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I think he's the one element that does not work for me. Yeah,
0: and it's especially annoying because, like, the real breakout here is Renee Zellweger, who this is her first – major role in something. I mean, she'd done like other things. She'd done empire records, shit like that. Little things where it's like, Ooh, she's interesting, but this is her first really big lead role. And she's so interesting in it. And like Tom not, doesn't always like work chemistry wise with the woman he uh, acts against. Like mm-hmm. it's a, he's got a weird dynamic and I don't, who knows what that's about. Um, I don't know. It's maybe it's a Scientology thing. Who knows? But the two of them have such good chemistry. They're, they're, first kiss is wild like
1: mm-hmm.
0: i was like holy shit they're they're on the front porch you guys like get inside <laughs> like if i were the neighbor i'd be like oh my god look what uh look what renee's doing who's that man like <laughs> jesus <laughs> like i'd be like honey get over here <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like they're so hot and the lighting is so good but it's so absurd but i was like holy shit, I'm so into this. Like, <laughs> give, give me this action. And, like, their sex scene is, like, fun and cute. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it really works. And their chemistry is lovely. And his chemistry with the kid is is great in a way that I didn't even remember. Like
1: I think um, it's his best performance. Like, I think oh, this yeah. is hit Like, I mean, obviously what he's doing in Mission Impossible is, like, a certain type of impressive that's just yeah. insane. But, like... This is his best performance, I think. Yeah,
0: this is this is more pure acting than than let's say that Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible is a is a feat of of, of physical yes. uh, you know <laughs> uh, achievement. But um, did we tell people what it was about? I don't remember now. No, I don't think we did. Um,
1: Y'all Tom should Cruz, know. That's what I. Have to yeah, say about honestly, that. who
0: doesn't know? Tom Screws is a sports agent. He gets fired, or he he has a I don't know, like a mental break or some shit. Writes a manifesto where he's like, "We got to have less." Less clients and, and more focus on, on the sports. Like, remember we loved sports? And then he gets fired because they're like, oh, he's losing it. He's not going to um, make us money anymore. And he tries to keep his client base, but Jay Moore steals them all. Um, and then eventually has he's got one client left who's Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character who's like a football player near the end of his career. He's maybe got like two or three years left. And honestly, the CTE has already kicked in. Um, he's insane. He's insane. Like, in so, film, like, I, I that's the, the thing that kept, I, I kept thinking watching that character is like, oh no, he's, he's had too many concussions. And then he gets a bunch of more concussions in the film. It's like, oh boy, this is not good. Um, yeah, football's
1: different today than it was in It's 96. hard to, wa-
0: it's so hard to watch because you're like, ooh, that behavior is already pretty erratic. I think it's taken a toll. Um, maybe get out of the game. Um, but, uh, he, uh, he, he leaves the, the office or whatever and, and uh as he's leaving, he makes a speech of like, Who wants to come with me and like remember why we got into this business anyway? And Renee, because she's like, I mean, look at him, he's beautiful. <laughs> and she also really liked the manifesto, was like, I'll come with you. And then they are like, Oh shit, like we're a business by ourselves. She's like, Also, I have a child, I need health insurance. Can we make sure of that? And he's like, Oh yeah, it's fine. I love that moment of like mm. <laughs> is it's there such gonna be a another
1: good moment. moment? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah cuz they're like, "Oh shit, what have I done?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> this movie, like that's what I love. This movie has so many little moments that are just like so perfectly written and they all just add up to this one movie that just like, I want to hug. Like I just I love yeah. it so much.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's I mean, it's such a soft, lovely sort of mood. It's it's hard to like hate it or anything. Like I was disappointed that it wasn't more focused on Renee and Tom but like I didn't I didn't hate it by any means or just or even dislike it. I mean I still love it. Like mm-hmm. the two of them are great and and the way that their romance slowly, slowly builds is like this workplace comedy situ- situation and like you know there's that it's iconic. The final scene is iconic. Um and there's also, you know, the show me show me the money stuff is became, you know, part of the fucking Vernacular because of this film. He
1: won the Oscar for that scene. I'm pretty he sure he absolutely wins the Oscar. For and that it's a good scene. It's a good scene.
0: It, yeah, it's the his best scene. I the one scene that still works. I would say. Yeah. Um, but like, I'll tell you, when I got to the ending scene, and you know, it was the uh, he's in front of the the divorced women's group, and and he's like, Which I love. I guess I'm just gonna have to do this. It's so good. I love that group. Um, Bonnie Hunt is so good in this movie. By the way, as she's the, amazing. <laughs> jaded older sister
1: oh i love her when she i forgot the exact line when um she tells renee like don't don't say you love him or something and then she doesn't you just see bonnie hunt's (laughs) face (laughs) and it's so good She's like, oh my God. (laughs) It's her like because she's like, you
0: know, she's the she's the divorced older woman. She's she's seen it all, man. She and she's like, Tom's too hot. There's no way. (laughs) Um, it's so good. But like, I'll tell you, when that final scene happened and he said the you complete me shit and she said, you know, the the you had me at hello, I teared up. I was like, oh my God, am I getting emotional like over this fucking like and I've like even when it was on TV, sometimes I would like skip the middle stuff and just watch the scene. Yeah, I'd be like, "It's been twenty minutes. It's probably time." Comes <laughs> like,
1: back and like
0: even then, I was still like, "God damn it! It's so good." I was like, "You guys got a kiss. This is so good."
1: That is what I think Cameron Crowe's superpower is as a screenwriter. Like he creates these. Lines that, if another actor read, would be horrible. But he somehow casts them so well where you're like, oh, like, this line makes total sense and it's actually iconic. Like... Um, the, those that exchange is great. Most of the dialogue and Say Anything would be horrible if anyone else was saying it. 100%. Like, the entire character of Penny Lane and Almost Famous would be horrible if it wasn't Kate Hudson playing her. Like, he just knows how to write weird dialogue and then cast it perfectly. And I, like, You Complete Me is an incredibly romantic line. Oh. Like, oh my God. Um, well, when they sort of, like, when it's, I didn't remember it being, like, something they see earlier that then is a callback, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's so beautiful. I think that is a beautiful little touch. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Am I going to go watch Jerry Maguire right after you record? (laughs) Uh,
0: Sorry, we have to go watch Jerry Maguire. But, like, (laughs) no, it's it's such a thing of, like, he's supposed to be this asshole, but, like, there's all this – there's this gentleness to him, especially with the kid. um, And, like, that right there, it's like, oh, he listens, and he listens to her and understands her, and there's something – there's a connection there that's like pure chemistry and they just work like that scene in the airport is so good when they're swinging swinging little jonathan like nikki around and they're sort of looking at each other and you can see him falling in love with the renee, renee zellweger it's like tom same like the world <laughs> did think, like, so did so did the audience like mm-hmm. he, he's so good in that and like it's funny i was talking about this um movie with um some friends a couple weeks ago. I was like, oh yeah, I just watched, rewatched Jerry Maguire. I was surprised it wasn't as much of a romance. And my friend was like, one of my friends was like, oh yeah, I don't think Tom's very good with like romance at all. I was like, in general? She's like, yeah, I don't think he she, he's like very good at projecting that on, on, in film. And I was like, I don't know, bro, you gotta rewatch this because it was so, like, he, he, I buy that he's in love with Renee Zellweger, truly.
1: I think it's the only time he's able to convey it, but yes, like he's yeah. he's great in this movie at like just being a romantic lead. It's almost insane he didn't do a bunch of other rom coms after this. Like it's just, but in a way, I'm happy because I don't think it'd be. I think we have a lot of bad ones, but mm-hmm. um, like no, I I think this movie is such like a unique, mm. uh, like. Bizarre blend of genres and with like one great romance in the middle. And it's so, it's so like, um, their, their chemistry is so crucial to it. Like, again, I don't know how accurate this is because IMDb trivia is, um, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I assume it's, I don't know. Like, I'm going to assume it's right. But, um, especially for like older movies. But, um, like, according to IMDb, the original two was going to be Tom Hanks and Marissa Tomei, which I think would have been a disaster. Ooh. Like, <laughs> Marissa Tomei might have pulled it off. I think Tom Hanks would have been, like, a horrible choice for that yeah. part.
0: She could have done it. I don't – I can't imagine him pulling that off.
1: Yeah, it's – like, he's just not an asshole. Like, he doesn't have that asshole vibe at all where it's like
0: – He's not an asshole. Frankly, I don't I don't know if he's ever really been romantic and – or, like, sexy in that way. Do you know?
1: Yeah, never. He was always America's death. <laughs> like... Yeah. He's, he's
0: – yeah. It's not there. It's not there. Like – the thing about Tom Cruise is that you have to remember that, like, uh, everything aside, like, he's got a reputation. Like, there's that, um, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but, like, on uh, James Corden years ago, and uh, not a, someone I like, but Cher was on. And they did that, like, uh, eat, eat something gross or tell the truth kind of thing. Yes. And he was like, you've said in the press that Tom Cruise is one of your top five favorite lovers. Like, and, like. That's got to be in the back of your mind. Like you got to think that like Jerry Maguire can fuck <laughs> like
1: I, it buy, it. Make I make really buy it. I really buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I God. I, I Tom Cruise's career right now is so interesting because he basically only does Mission Impossible movies because yeah. like most of his other ones have flopped. Except for I mean Top Gun's coming out, but um, yeah. like I love to see him do not like a, a romance necessarily, but something like this. Like I feel again, this is a genre that. We get so little of um, mm-hmm. these days. Like we're mm-hmm. starving. I'm starving for them, <laughs> and yeah, um, I'm just like, I don't know. Like I would love to see him lend his power, his like the star power he still has, which isn't as bright as it was. But I think he still is like a, bi- a big enough figure to make a movie like this if he wanted to. And I would love to see it. Like this movie made an insane amount of money at the box yeah. office, and I'm like, let's have another rom com make this much money, please. <laughs> like, what do I have to do? <clears throat>
0: I think that's the unfortunate thing about that time period is that, like, because rom-coms were dying, like, he got out of it and he wanted, I don't know, he wanted to change his image and be taken more seriously. So, like, he got stuck doing crap and nobody, nobody, or people didn't like what he was doing. So he, the only thing that ended up working was Mission Impossible. So that's not, like, why he only does those now. But it's like, damn it, (laughs) you know, if only he, if only we'd encouraged what we had, we could have gotten something different. Do you know what I mean? Like absolutely. And I like a lot of his non Mission Impossible stuff between this and Jerry Maguire and and now. You know. So yeah, like. Yeah,
1: and let me tell you, I will not complain about having a Mission Impossible movie every other year. Like no. Please, no. like continue to do that, Tom. But also, like do a rom com. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, I mean, are you kidding? When I heard that Haley Atwell was going to be the next one, I was like, when can I buy a ticket? Sell me that
1: now. I just imagine a director being like, I have a rom-com script and he's like, but where's the helicopter I can jump out of? Like, It's <laughs> exactly. like I'm a little confused.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, but when do I get to ride a motorcycle? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, it's important. He's, he's a stunt double that falls in love. That, there we go. I have the plan. Oh my God. I would watch that shit. There we go. I'd really watch that.
0: Um, and that's already a movie really, uh, realistically too. Um <clears throat> But yeah, I think uh, I think that's everything on on Jerry Maguire. We got a we got one more, so we should probably move on. Yeah. Um. All right, the final one. Oh, I forgot to say Jerry Maguire is Sony TriStar, which Sony is technically not a major studio at this point, or even now. Let's let's face it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they just bought Spider Man back, as I'm sure you heard, because if you listen closely at any given time, there are fanboys crying about it, and so <laughs> yeah. they're they're going they're coming back. They're go- they're coming back for their big studio status. Listen, Venom was great. Um, I've never seen it stuff. <laughs> oh my god, it's so fun! You would love it,
0: Michelle Williams. Um,
1: <laughs> I don't know film. about that one, Chief. I might, I might still. I don't think I have the energy for Venom. <laughs> it's rough.
0: Um, final film is Secrets and Lies. Uh, Mike Lee film. He wrote and directed it. Um, the inside Oscar stuff about it was fascinating. Apparently, he didn't tell any of the cast what the whole story was. So, like, everybody knew their scenes, basically, and then, like, met on set. So, like, the first scene where um, uh, Marianne Jean-Baptiste and um, Brenda Blethyn are, like, meeting for the first time, their characters, that's the first time they met too. And they, like, like, <laughs> poor Marianne Jean-Baptiste was, like, asked, like, oh, so what do you, um, like, are you a big part of the film? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, maybe. <laughs> I've been told. Like, possibly. It's, like I really don't know right now. Um, and there was like a lot of improv and, and it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems like a, I can't believe a film that good got made out of it. Cause it's, uh, the basic plot line is that, um, Marianne, Marianne Jean-Baptiste, uh, is adopted and her parents, her mother dies and she decides to go look for her biological mother and her biological mother ends up being, um, <clears throat> Brenda Blethyn, who is a white woman, um, and uh, they meet, and all of a sudden they're like, and there's the sort of racial tension of that, and then there's um, the history, and her like Brenda Blethyn's character is kind of kind of off, and you know you wonder if that's having to give up a child that early is part of it, and 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 her family's kind of off, like her her uh, the daughter who she didn't give up for adoption, who's like a, an adult at this point um kind of hates her for some reason and her brother is a photographer or like a a mall photographer essentially who like takes portraits of families and shit um who uh who likes her but like his wife and him have a weird relationship that we don't understand so there's it's a film about family and personal tension and then it sort of explores that and then let, like lets it break open in the last couple minutes and it's I don't know it's fascinating this was the first time I saw it and I thought it was like stunning I was stunned by it like it just is the, the acting is so incredible in it. And um, the story is so interesting, like realistically it's so tense for all of it because you're like, these people are in such high emotional stakes for everything and you're just so worried for them. And like you want, and even though you don't really know them, but like you just immediately connect to everything because the stakes are so high. Um, and like, you're just worried for them the whole time. And like, you're, you're wondering, you're reading these personal relationships. You don't know why things are like that. And then you get all of that information at the end when all this tension has been built up for like two hours. And it, I found it so cathartic. I don't want to like spoil all the things, but like, I don't know. I found that like, I just found the film really cathartic and like was so shocked by how, um, bizarrely, like, I don't know, peaceful the ending is in a weird way, or I don't mm-hmm. know if it's the right word, but I, it shocked me. I was, I was really impressed by this. Like, of the, the group of films, this is probably my my other favorite.
1: Yeah, um I went on a whole Mike Lee kick um mm-hmm. like three or four years ago, maybe. Um, because I saw I happened to see Happy Go Lucky, um mm-hmm. and I love I fell in love with that movie. Um yeah. From what I understand, most of his movies are like that, like imp- improvised and the actors only know exactly what they need to know. Like um like did you ever see Vera Drake from two thousand four? no that's another one where it's fascinating to watch just knowing like oh like none of these people knew what movie they were in until like the plot actually kicks into gear um well we'll talk we'll have to talk about that in a few years um but um like secrets and lies is a movie that i rented and like it fully like gutted me like the first time watching it it is such like a a brutal movie in a weird way, like it is so raw about the emotions that people like are feeling with like family drama and um, like I don't know if trauma is the right word, but like hard events from their life and everything. Um, I like, feel like
0: trauma is absolutely the right word.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, like the trauma from their childhoods and like from various decisions they made, and I um, like. It really stuck with me that first that first viewing. I think it's incredible. Yeah. And then returning to it again for this podcast, I was just like, Oh my god, like this movie, it's like it's beautiful. Like it's like as brutal as it is, like I really do think like the moments in between those sad scenes and then at the ends are just so like humane and beautiful and um like there are two scenes back to back where Mary and John Baptiste like reaches out to Brenda Bletton's character, like, the first time they talk on the phone and the first time they meet up. And um, ah it is just, like, I think, I don't know how long it is, like, 20 to 30 minutes of just, like, incredible filmmaking. Like, like, and, like, acting, and it feels so authentic in a way that I think is so hard for any director to replicate. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I really, I I think this movie is something special. Um, I've seen plenty of my other Mike Lee movies, and I think he's an incredible filmmaker in general, but, like, I think this is, like, I I've seen there are a few I haven't seen yet, but I think this is by far and away like his best. Um, and I don't I I really like you said like I love this movie. It's it's a I think this is a movie that I I wish more people would see. It's on the Criterion Channel now, which I think like if yeah. you have that, go watch it. Like it's good. <laughs> I want them yeah, to release it's... a Blu Ray of it. Like I I'm waiting for that because I would oh, absolutely I buy would,
0: it. I would certainly purchase that. And like you know, it's such a like it's funny like watching all these we've watched a lot of movies for this project both this season and last season and like this was one of the the first times that i thought like what a gift the project has given me that it's given me this film do you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah i know exactly i'm like god like that's like the best thing about this idea that we had just like we can discover all these movies like because it, it's not that this movie's forgotten or anything like that but it's like no you need to I mean, it's a mike lee movie so it was always going to be kind of like an like an indie type deal, but like it's a yeah. movie that like only really film corners know about, and I think it's so, it's so special.
0: Yeah, I thought it was gorgeous. Oh, by the way, it's a Channel Four slash October Films release, um, which is you know British thing mostly, Channel Four. Um, but yeah, it's it's so gorgeous, and like I just I, every minute I was so interested about where it was going. Like I was never, I was so it was so compelling in what it sets up. And how it lets that unfold. And that scene you talked about where they meet in person for the first time is some of the most incredible filmmaking I've ever seen. Like, during it, I, like, I think I said out loud, like, what a choice to, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: film it the way that they film. he films it. Because usually that scene, they would be sitting across the table at that diner or whatever it is. Um, and you'd get, like, each would be in their own shot. But this is a two shot. So it's the two of them are in the frame at each, the whole time. And they're constantly reacting to what the other is saying. And so, like, when one is rea- saying something and, like, doing, saying a line, you see the the way it hits the other person and vice versa. Like, that scene, what or that moment when um, Marianne Jean-Baptiste, like, or, like, uh, or when Blenda Blethin Bre- Ble- is, like, um, like, no offense, but I've never been with a black man. (laughs) Like I, you can't like, it's impossible that you're my daughter. And then you see her Mm -hmm. face when she realizes whoever that guy is, whatever, or how it happened, whatever. And you're like, Oh my God, it's such a brilliant piece of acting. Like, I mean, that's one of the top like 10 pieces of acting I've ever seen. It's so good because like, it says so much that i find really interesting I, and i kind of want to hear your interpretation on this and I, it's it's kind of a spoiler maybe but i don't know there i i am it's so interesting i want to talk about it um the way her face reacts to me immediately said and the way and the way she starts sobbing afterwards yeah. immediately said to me that like oh it that i don't think it was like some joyous coupling i think it was it seemed the implication to me in the movie is that it was like an assault or yeah. something horrible happened. And that's a, why she n- couldn't, didn't look at Marianne Baptiste's character, Hortense is her name, the character, why she never looked at Hortense after she was born, why she had to get rid of the baby, why she's never thought about it or told her family really about the baby. Um, like her brother knows, but her daughter has no idea that there's another, there's another, you know, half sister out there. Um, and, I, I to me, I, it absolutely reads. and the way she reacts with the rest of the time, like where she's when Hortense asks, like, who's my father, or whatever she's, and she just like, don't ask me that, basically. Like immediately mm-hmm. it's like, don't ask me that. Um, and like just the way that the emotions wrapped up and like the just the reaction in her, it makes it seem like something horrible happened. And like what was fascinating reading inside Oscar Two and some of the reviews from the time is that everybody seemed, made it seem like it was a one night stand. That 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 Hortense came from, and I was like, "What are you guys talking about?"
1: Yeah, How it's very about? much like a '90s read of that scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I was like, "Have men never heard of rape because they do it all the time?"
1: Jesus like, God. I don't,
0: It was so strange to me. Like everything I read said like one night stand, and I was like, "Okay, where are we getting that? Like, is that are we not wanting to spoil, or or are y'all just like not even considering?"
1: You know? Timothy Spall even has a line, and I don't remember it for sure um mm-hmm. like i mean uh, like spoiler alert for the this movie yeah. like you should all watch it but um like he has a line at the end when like everything is like comes out and everything mm-hmm. and i wish i wrote it down but i can't remember it but like his line implies it was some sort of assault that he knew about like yes it's yeah. it's the sort of thing and again like you said it's like brenda Blethyn's whole um performance is like choices but in a good way like it's like (laughs) it is a very it's a performance that could have been really bad but she's very controlled with it and you know she breaks down sobbing and is like clearly horrified to remember whatever she remembers so it's like I don't understand how plus she's supposed to be pretty young if I remember correctly when she had her um six six fifteen or sixteen I think yeah so it's like I don't think we're supposed to assume one night stand from any of that. Like, it's yeah. like all of the factors point to something else. And I think, um, I don't know. Like, I love that they yeah. never tell you. Like, I think it's like, it's, we don't need all of that. But like, yeah. their performance is say enough where you can figure it. Even, even the way Mary and John Baptiste plays that scene, it's as if like, she knows as well. Like, she's put it
0: together. Yeah. Well, it, when she sort of brings it up later, like, when everything's coming out and like, she knows it's her opportunity, and and then the answer she like what is said makes her like it, it oh, it's so good it's mm-hmm. just so good I like that final scene is so incredible I've never seen anything like it like because usually the way that 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 scene goes in these in these types of films is that films is that like it's there to devastate us and then that's what you get left with but it the film keeps going long enough to really examine what what all of this all of this coming out would mean for this family
1: you know yeah it's so accurate to what families are like with these things yeah. because like you know it's like i've never had anything nearly as traumatic happen in my like family that we've ever discussed but like sure. um there have been like blowout family fights between uncles and aunts and cousins and everything at like parties and like you for the sake of like <laughs> like the family you have to like kind of move on from that and i like the way yeah. they show like that awkward messiness of like moving on after all, all comes out and everything. It's really well done.
0: Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Um, uh, I think that's kind of all we want to say for for now. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it again in a couple in, in the next segments. But um, what's your what's your pick for best picture on this one?
1: it's really tough but I, I i will go with secrets and lies i think um i love Jeremy mcguire so 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 much and but so like i'm almost like removing it from the narrative because i'm like i can't be objective with that so i will i'm gonna go with secrets and lies
0: yeah i it, you know if it if if the question weren't the english patient or secrets and lies i might go with secrets and lies and mm-hmm. it's also probably a recency bias like an a film, an unfamiliarity bias based on you know, uh, versus a, a like a long familiarity bias. Right. Um, but yeah, like I wouldn't, I'm not going to take it from the English patient. Um, it's a good pick. That's yeah, like a, a, and either one, I would have been happy winning. I think realistically, even at the time, I feel like either one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, if I'd seen, although I don't know if I would have gotten secrets as a kid because there's so much that you have to read on people. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, I think I, it would have fully gone over my head if I was if I, I was young. Yeah.
0: I'd have been like, that lady's crazy, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I'm still watching it. Like, both of them are good, but I, I'm going to keep it with The English Patient. Um, so next segment, uh, we go through the big six awards. Um, let's start with director. Uh, the winner was Anthony Minghella for The English Patient. Um, <clears throat> other nominees were Joel Cohen for Fargo, Mike Lee for Secrets and Lies, Milos Forman for The People versus, versus Larry Larry Flint, wow, man, I had a real problem with that. Um, <laughs> Scott Hicks uh, for Shine, um, which, that's outrageous. Um, <laughs> actually, I actually, This is where I would give it to Mike Lee. I think, I love mingella and I think he does incredible work with that film, both visually and in the fact that he wrote it. But, I mean, Secrets and Lies is such a masterpiece.
1: Yeah, um, I'm with you on that. Like, uh, I think what he's doing as a filmmaker is so phenomenal. And I think it's it's he kind of insane he's never gotten an oscar like my, like i think like what he's done as a filmmaker is so impressive and it's so singular like there's no one really doing what he does so yeah. i don't know and this is i think like i said like the best example of his filmmaking so yeah. give him give him the oscar i will say though I, um people yeah, people ahead. versus larry Flint's very good and um milos foreman i think is um really good and a really a really powerful director
0: yeah, I I was gonna I didn't rewatch that. <clears throat> um, I wanted to do but it was like on crackle or whatever. And I didn't know actually how much time it would be because it take because there's commercials in it. So I was yeah. like, it could be three hours. Like, I, I don't know if I have time for that. Like, I gotta I gotta schedule, you know, I gotta mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to know how long something's gonna take. Um, <laughs> but I remember seeing it a bunch as a kid, like on TV and stuff and thinking like, man, this is so interesting. Like, because it's it, it's snappily directed and 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 visually interesting and very memorable, realistically. And Milos Forman is great. You know, he's a great, great director. We'll talk about Um, him.
1: I I love him.
0: (laughs) Oh, I know. There's so many Milos Forman things to talk about eventually. Um, But yeah, I I definitely would keep it with – or uh, give it to uh, Mike Lee. Um, which like, you're right. Like he is a fascinating director. I didn't like Peter Peterloo from earlier this year. Was it earlier this year or last year? Yeah, I, I still must- have to
1: watch that. That's one that I, um, it's on Amazon prime and I'm like, it's like three hours. So I have to just it's like long. carve out the time. Yeah.
0: And it's like, I don't like the film, but the directing is very, is the most interesting thing about it for me. Like everything else sucks about it <laughs> Like for the <laughs> most part. I like, think the storytelling's not very good and all that, but like the directing, especially in the final scenes is incredible. Mm. Um, let's do actor, uh, Jeffrey Rush won for Shine. Uh, we're going to have opinions about that. Billy Bob Thornton was nominated for Sling Blade, a movie which he wrote, directed, and acted lead in. Um, uh, Ray Fiennes for The English Patient. Tom Cruise for Jerry Maguire. And Woody Harrelson for The People versus Larry, Larry Flint. Um, wh- wh- why don't you start?
1: Yeah, um... Should we just get the elephant out of the room with Jeffrey Rush? Where I Action. we we both wrote the same our reviews are nearly ident- nearly identical <laughs> on Letterboxd. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I'm like, we we have spent too much time talking <laughs> where like it's like our reviews are so identical. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're taking a break from our relationship after this guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're going on a break. <laughs> um no, um he like him being lead is insane <laughs> because it's like <laughs> by that notion, he should have split the award with the other two actors. Like it's yes. like I like Noah Taylor has just as much screen time, if not more. (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, he does. He,
0: I, I like timed it. I swear to God, like he's in the movie for like thirty minutes, basically, and like it's this is the most shameful category fraud I've ever seen, and also it's a shit performance. Noah Taylor is better.
1: This is a ceremony filled with category fraud. We'll talk. We'll talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) I think in a little bit. Um, But um, no, yeah, Noah Taylor is better. I'm mixed on Jeffrey Rush as an actor, but, um, you know, I I stand his performance in Pirates of the Caribbean very hard. Yeah, that's
0: the thing. Pirates of the Caribbean is foundational as well. I can't question it.
1: You best start believing in ghost stories. Um, Oh, my God. (laughs) But I would go with Tom Cruise. Like I said, I think – like, Mm -hmm. I've talked before about, like, movies – how I love, like, movie star performances where people just, like, use their movie star charisma and, like, what their image is in in Hollywood to, like – do something interesting. And I think that, like, mostly it's women that do that because I just think women are more, like, versatile. But, um, like, Tom Cruise does, delivers a movie star performance with this. And I think it's, like, it's so, like, um indicative of what we like about him as an actor. So, you know, Tom, like, I- I'm voting for him.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm kind of, I'm mixed on this one because, like, A, I kind of don't care because they're actors. That's that's the way this yeah. works. But, like, um, B, like, I would say Ray Fiennes, but, like, I don't, I, I don't know. I think... Like Tom has to carry that movie in a bigger way, possibly. Although I guess I don't know. He get he just have to play like burn victim, <laughs> you know, Count Almashi, and also regular like pre-burn Almashi. But still, I think, I, like Woody Harrelson, I might want to give it to. And like I don't know how offensive Billy Bob Thornton's performance is, frankly. Do you know what I mean? Like
1: yeah, I'm with I'm with you on that. It's one of those. where I'm like, is it good? I don't know. <laughs> but... Yeah
0: because it's like he made it he completely made up the character and like decided on his look and voice like messing around in a mirror one day while he was bored at another in another film so i just don't know um but tom cruise is legitimately very very good in 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 Jerry Maguire and you know i have to say if he'd won it here i i bet you the trajectory of his career would be very different because he would be trying he wouldn't be trying so hard i don't Absolutely. think we would have gotten all those try hard roles if he had just gotten this one early and then he could make mission impossibles and maybe also be in a couple more our
1: you know? Absolutely. I agree. It's like the world would be so different if he won. <laughs> like, yeah. He probably shouldn't have won.
0: Who knows? That maybe back to the future. <laughs> maybe he'd still be married to Nicole. I'd probably not. Probably um, not. <laughs> all right. Let's do actress. Um, I'm, we're going weird today. I'm going to, I've decided to do all the big ones first. Um, uh, Francis McDormand for Fargo won. Brenda Blethin for Secrets and Lies. Uh, Diane Keaton for Marvin's Room. Blows my mind. Uh, Emily Watson for Breaking the Waves. Kristen Scott Thomas, the English patient. Um, I did not have time to proceed Breaking the Waves before we did this because it's two and a half hours and I had a concert last night that went ran longer than I expected. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, I hear she's very good in that. But I would, I don't think it, she would have had to really – I don't know what she could have done – to make me not give it to Brenda Blethyn, who I think is so brilliant in *Secrets of Lies*, as, as I've already said. Apology to *Secrets*. Kristen Scott Thomas, please come to a bar and we can, you know, you know, talk about being women.
1: <laughs> we'll we'll um, do a feedback. Please. Um, Breaking the Waves is fine. I think that I, uh, Lars von Trier. I have a mixed feelings on. Simla- yeah. Similar. Similar to who Yeah, similar to the Cohens. I'm like straight men, like. I I get it. The world is bad, but like you still ha- you're still having the best version of the bad world. So like, yeah. <laughs> like the last. Yeah. yeah, totally. But um, she's good in it though. Um, yeah. um, what is it? Um, I would give it to Brenda Buffon too. I don't want to get too into it because I will have thoughts on the actress category when we get to supporting. But um, yeah, yeah Brenda Buffon's good. I I think she's amazing. I would give it to her yeah. easily. She's
0: great. She's great. Um yeah uh let's do did you ever watch marvin's room by the way
1: years ago but yes and uh, um it's not good (laughs) no
0: i couldn't believe how bad it was oh yeah of course we you watched it we talked about it what a wild film and especially like keaton's i don't know it's weird Uh, don't watch that film people good god is leo dicaprio bad in it um oh yeah that's how we got in the leo discussion
1: (laughs) yeah we had a whole leo discussion that was streep two right um yeah Meryl okay. Streep is
0: in it as as Leo's mother um
1: yikes and De Niro uh, or no not De Niro no
0: uh, oh he's in it he plays a doctor
1: okay yeah I was like it's four people and I cannot think of the fourth but yeah
0: it's not a major role he's just like around it's yeah. very strange um yeah not a good film people don't watch it there's a there's a there are so many films to watch this year don't watch that one
1: mm-hmm.
0: um supporting actor Keepa Gooding junior one uh Armin M- mueller stahl uh, was nominated for Shine. He plays the um, mean father. Edward Norton for Primal Fear. James Woods for Ghosts of Mississippi,
1: which uh, I've seen in... Uh, you haven't seen that, right? So I think I watched it in school at some point. Like I, I looked up the trailer, but I was just like, I don't need to watch a James Wood performance. <laughs> like... yeah, yeah.
0: Although it's funny to watch him play like a white supremacist and be like, wow, um, foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then William H. Macy for Fargo um uh i don't know uh this is a tough one i think i don't like shine but that that guy is very good Mueller Stahl.
1: um <laughs> they open the envelope that guy from shine like yeah, the
0: dude from shine that shine dude it's t-
1: this is a shite
0: category i have to be honest um
1: yeah there's <laughs> someone you, yeah um yeah well, Someone was snubbed who I will talk about when we get to our later category, who I just think
0: so many people were snubbed after. Yeah.
1: There's one person who I'm just like, Oh really? They're not they're not here, but um (laughs) yeah, it's like it's not great. I like like we said, like I think Cubicon Jr. is fine, but like Mm -hmm. it's a lot of a performance. Um and I think William H. Macy is kind of the lead in Fargo, so I think it's like
0: I agree.
1: Yeah. I'd give it to Everyone, I guess
0: who else would be the lead in that? Right. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. I'd give it to Edward Norton, I guess. I think Primal Fear is a fun movie. Um, that's another one that I watched a lot as a kid because my <laughs> mom, like, is loves it. Um, so, like, yeah, i, I give it to Edward. I think it's a good performance. I don't love Edward Norton as an actor, but I think it's probably, like, the best he's ever been.
0: <laughs> yeah, and this is the, the performance that put him on the map. It's a weird performance because he has to do a lot in it. Yeah. And the movie is bizarre, honestly. I mean, it's... I, I saw it for the first time for this, actually, but, like, I don't know. It's weird. I didn't... I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. Like it's so strange. And he's really good in it. But I actually might give it to that. that I'm going to give it to that Mueller-Stahl guy. Because I actually think it was a pretty good performance. And like the only thing I liked about a movie that was shit. Yeah. Um, let's do the most controversial category. Yes. Uh, Juliette Binoche for The English Patient. Uh, One, Barbara Hershey uh, was nominated for A Portrait of a Lady. Joan Allen for The Crucible. Uh, Lauren Bacall for The Mirror Has Two Faces. And Marianne Jean-Baptiste for Sequence and Lies. Um, you go ahead.
1: Yeah. So, okay. This is interesting. Uh, like I said, her. like like I've said many, <laughs> many times, um, yeah. I am not a category of fraud. police. I genuinely don't care. Yeah. But Juliette Binoche and Marion and Jean Baptiste are absolutely the le- the leads of those movies, and it is insane to me they are both nominated and supporting to a point where I almost cannot. Like, I think they're both wonderful in those movies. I think Juliette Binoche is incredible. Um, I think Marion Jean Baptiste, like like we said, they're both incredible. Like not putting like I I, I'm like but they're not supporting and it's like genuinely I feel like I'm like we're robbing the the supporting performances that are actually good uh, that are actually supporting performances um so I will go like my 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 true vote I guess would be Mary Ann John Baptiste because I think she's good but like if we're like actually honoring what supporting actress means I think it'd be Barbara Hershey (laughs) um Barbara Hershey for the portrait for the um the Portrait of a Lady, which is a phenomenal movie that I watched for this. Um, Barbara Hershey's so good; she's like camping Ooh. it up, and she's just like, it's it's like this inc- insane performance of like this like horny, manipulative like rich woman, and um, and I'm just like, please do this forever. Like I could watch a whole movie of this. <laughs> um, but like Juliette Binoche and Marion Jean- John Baptiste are both wonderful. Yeah, yeah,
0: it is category fraud absolutely and i i kind of care about category fraud more because yeah absolutely right there's there's th- there's another bunch of other performances here that like are true supporting performances that like fully deserved wins um or at least uh, um nominees and they're like bonnie hunt should be in this fucking group for fuck's sake
1: bonnie and virginia king G- from, G- uh, from jerry Maguire, both are really yeah. great
0: because those are both real supporting supporting actress performances and and they're unacknowledged because there's you know truly two leads in here um but i get it i mean li- li- listen it's miramax they played the game better than most people and it paid off you know bonoche won in uh, a big surprise yeah. win um because everybody thought lauren bacall was going to win for the Mirror has two faces i seen the video
1: of lauren bacall <laughs> oh, at the oscars bitch
0: i was watching it live are you kidding me
1: <laughs> <laughs> she is not happy <laughs> Ooh, she's
0: pissed it's great television on like like the, the, this is why the English Patient is so formative because it was this was the first Oscars I watched. So like, art the the fucking gag. It's like such an it's such uh, a great telecast. Like you can get p- pieces of it all over the place on the internet. Like watch it, people. It's so fascinating because like every time the English Patient wins, you can see like all the other studios and people getting fucking furious. <laughs> it's so funny. He's like, God damn it dominating and it's and it's an independent picture so it's like it feels like the end of hollywood um but yeah i would actually give it to the lauren to lauren bacall for the mirror has two faces because i don't uh, acknowledge a portrait of a lady the novel or henry james so unfortunately there's they are not involved Uh-oh. um joe joe Allen is really good in the crucible i will say that the crucible is pretty good i would say i'm not
1: a fan of that mo- the movie but she's good um and so knew- is winona rider
0: I'm saying that based on like when I watched it long time a long time ago. I, I haven't rewatched it, so who knows? I might not like it now, you
1: know? Yeah, we watched it in school. I'm going off my memory too, <laughs> like a school yeah. viewing.
0: Yeah, um, but yeah, I'd give it to Lauren McCall for a movie that I liked very much and that you do not like. Should do you, <laughs> we, we want to talk about it?
1: Yeah, we have time to talk about it fast. Um, yeah, let's talk about it pretty quickly. I um, uh, I've been thinking about it a lot because I think it's probably the movie we disagree with the like disagree on the most in the time yeah. that we've been recording these. Um, Uh, Do you want to talk about it really fast? Um, I know you love it.
0: Yeah. So it's. uh, I watched it for this and I was blown away by it. It's uh, Barbara Streisand directed in Accident. She's like a, you know, like a, I don't know, a a sad woman. (laughs) A sad woman who's like not very pretty or whatever. Like, who uh, is a teacher. And um, uh, Jeff Bridges is another teacher who has decided that he doesn't want to have sex anymore because it just ruins his his perception of things and he can't think and he can't write his book and blah, 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 blah. He's an asshole. Um, so he zeros in on Barbara Streisand cause he's like, well, there's no sexual attraction there. So they get married. Um, and then uh, that obviously doesn't work. So it's a whole thing. Um, and the reason I liked it was because it felt like a million comedies we've seen before. Uh, the one I drew a line to in my letterbox review was born yesterday where there's always some woman who has to be changed by a man, and this is actually a remake of a um, of a French film from like 20 years before, uh, which I haven't seen because I couldn't I couldn't find a way to watch it because I wanted to watch it just to you know a comparison, but um, where this like you know some ditzy idiot girl has to be picked up and changed, it's a My Fair Lady thing, it's a Pygmalion, you know, it, it, a tale is old as time realistically, but. I think the thing that works here, because Streisand is making the film and it's the mid '90s, is that she understands that the person who doesn't need to be made over here isn't isn't the woman, really. It's the man who is a fool, realistically, mm-hmm. to think that there could ever be you could ever marry someone and spend that much time with them and not, in some way, be, uh, have an affection for them, or that, or that like um, physical love isn't 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 part of a hierarchy of needs for some people. Like, uh, obviously if you're asexual, it's a whole different thing, but like she, they both want that. Why wouldn't it occur? Like, it's not about, it's, it's this idea of like, realistically, the film is reading to felt this idea of like, um, and particularly of a male view, like a straight male view of like, well, I can't, like, you can't be in love with someone you're not attracted to. And, and, you know, sex is only, Sex is like love and sex are in in inseparable basically, but the film is about a woman knowing that that's bullshit essentially, and also it's a movie about exploring what it means, what it does to have to a woman to have to be in a society where beauty is the most valuable thing she can be, a center. Beautiful is the most valuable thing she can be, like. You know, uh, Streisand's character is a professor and a good professor. Her students love her, mm. and she is intelligent and funny and far more interesting than Bridges' character. And Bridges plays uh, d- plays it as plays his character as kind of like a dunce. Essentially, he's an idiot who's not very good at his job, and his only and who knows if he's even a good writer. They never really make any of that clear. But the two of them connect in a really interesting way, and she makes him more interesting. Because she's already interesting. Um, And, like, she knows she's not, uh, like, pretty or whatever. Or, like, she's been told so long that she's not pretty by everyone, including her her mother and her sister and everyone in society and and men, certainly, that she's devalued herself. And that happens all the time in in real life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that was, like, the film was really good about that the i think the reason i would give bacall the the supporting actress nominee or uh, win is because she plays the kind of mother that so many women understand or like so many women have even if they're not the exact same we've all felt it this thing of um your mother wants what's best for you and especially if she was pretty as a as a young girl and like you know conventionally attractive and the daughter is not interested in that she worries because she's lived in society too. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's that great scene where uh, Streisand's character says like, what was it like to be, you know, the most beautiful person? What was it like to be beautiful, as beautiful as Laura McCall, essentially, you know, (laughs) and Laura McCall looks at her and her face and she's just like, it was incredible. It's fucking incredible basically. And like, that would be so true because you just get treated differently. Like, that Caroline Calloway essay, I don't know if everybody who's read you've read it, right, Matt?
1: Yeah, yes, I did. <laughs> may,
0: may, makes that point. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in that essay, but there's that great point. She's like, beautiful women get treated differently. And it's something men particularly have never experienced because they are the perpetrators of it most of the time. Um, but that women experience every single day. And, like, that is the most – like that is the move. The the movie is, I've never seen a a film more cogently play with that. And like, there's a makeover montage near the end. And I was disappointed in that. But the thing that's interesting about that movie is it says she gets the She does the makeover, but it doesn't change anything. In fact, it makes her less appealing to her. Like her friends are like, you've changed. And everybody's like, and she's less happy after she becomes this like beautiful woman or whatever. After she's given in, because she has to change so much about herself. And the film examines that. And like, you get the implication by the end that like, she's just gonna, she, yeah, maybe she'll be like, it's great that she'll be healthier or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But she's also not going to like, it's not going to become everything for her. She's now understood that like, yeah, I can be that thing too, but it's not integral to who I am. So like, it's just the, the best way I've seen a a film explore that. And I think the reaction to that film, reading it especially, is very steeped, especially in the time of, a hatred, a misogynistic hatred for Barbara Streisand, Streisand for being, like, a woman who knows what she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think that movie's very interesting and and smart. But, I, like, the thing is, like, you know, I I get that you wouldn't connect to it because you, you've never been a teenage girl with a <laughs> mother who doesn't think you're you're pretty enough. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, 100%. No, I think your description of this movie and what makes it work is, like, incredible and, um, like, makes me – I don't know if reconsiders is the... I guess like reconsiders the is the right word. Like, it's like, I think, like, I'm like, oh, like, should I return to this movie at some point when we're not recording a bunch of podcasts yeah. and episodes from previous Oscars? Return to it and try to, like, look at it at a different angle. I definitely... I went into it basically blind. Like, I um did not even read it, but I didn't know the plot. I just rented it because I saw it was an Oscar nominee. And I was like, oh, like... I think I expected like one thing, like a very standard romantic comedy, and I it's not that at all. Like you've said, um, and that leads to my big issue with the film. I think is that I I just do not think like they have any chemistry whatsoever. Jeff Bridges and her, and I think um, like they're both good. I think Bar- I should say Barbara Streisand. I think is an incredible director, and um, yeah. fucking Yentl is like that I, I, movie has become like a weird joke. And I think like. I watched it, like, a few months ago, and I was like, this movie fucks. Like, this is a, like, this is a great movie. It's, like, super horny, and it's wonderful, and I love it so yeah. much. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, I, I love Barbara Streisand, and I think, like, she's really good in this movie. Um, I, um like, it's very, it, it's well-directed. Like, for, like, I mean, just, like, even just, like, by the standards of a rom-com, like, it's very well-directed. Um, is it the last thing she directed? I'm pretty sure. Um
0: Oh, shit, I think it is, yeah.
1: Did she do the guilt trip, or is she just in that? No, um, she's just in it. Okay. Yeah, that was
0: her, her return to things after a long break of acting. But yeah, I, I don't think... I think you might be right. That might be the last thing she's directed.
1: Damn, it's a, that's a shame. That's the biggest thing. I'm like, she should direct more. I'm interested in returning to the movie based on your description and seeing, like, if I can appreciate it in a different angle than what I watched the first time. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. You know, but I, but I do think it's, it's not a failing in you, you know, just to make that clear. Like... It's not like you missed something necessarily, but, like, it's a question of, like, you've never, like, if if there's no experience for you to bounce off of, like, what is there, how do you understand it? Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. if it's such a foreign concept, like, it's funny, like, I wrote that review and, like, literally, like, six women immediately liked it. And I was like, whoa. And I don't (laughs) usually get a lot of, like, likes or anything on 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 a thing. But, like, I don't know. I think it's sometimes experience is is uh is vital to the way you watch something you know and, oh yeah absolutely and if, yeah and if you don't have it it's like it's hard to build that you know what i mean like i think it's a film that like a, a, like girls would easily understand like anyone who's been a teenage girl would easily understand but like you know <laughs> anybody else is sort of like what's this about you know
1: mm-hmm. no exactly i i i'm just i I'm, <laughs> i find it fascinating i find barbers fascinating in general i hope I want her to direct again. Direct another movie like this, Barbara. Like, please, come back to directing.
0: Yeah, this is the last thing, like, the last thing that wasn't a concert film that she directed.
1: One of her films has come in the Criterion. They haven't officially said what, but apparently the rumor is Prince of Tides, and which I've never seen. So I, um, I, I'm like, please, like, do Yentl on Criterion. Have you seen Yentl? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't seen Yentl. Oh, girl, you gotta watch Yentl. You're gonna I love know, it. I know.
0: I've <laughs> wanted to watch Yentl for years. Um, I gotta watch Yentl. Tough Run. I know it is. We're as soon as we're not. As soon as we're done with the season, I'll, I'll watch yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's a really interesting thing. Like, yeah, I think. I think, but it's I, to try. I think anybody who hasn't seen it approach it from the angle of like, what ways is this subverting rom coms rather than. Um, Rather than like playing into them necessarily. And like in what ways is that specific to the female experience where like there are so many movies about guys remaking over or making over women to fit their desire like their desires. But like if this is the opposite then how is that being played even in in a world where realistically men have all the sort of choosing power still. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Basically, that's it. Anyway, I give it to Bacall. <laughs>
1: yeah, great. She, she's really good at it. She's funny. <laughs> yeah, she's really excellent.
0: I think that scene is so good. i like, oh, man, that's it's just so good. Her face is so good. Um, it's almost as good as her performance um, of trying not to be pissed when losing the the Oscar. Um, <laughs> With Julia Pinoche's <Pernush's
1: laughs> iconic outfit. Um, oh, that it's she
0: iconic.
1: Wore. <laughs> I love it. God, the Oscars are the best. <laughs>
0: They're the best. It's such a good year. Watch the telecast if you can, people. Um uh, our next segment is we spotlight a ma- another major category. Uh, this is not a major category, but um, <laughs> it's one that I think is int- we thought was both interest. We both thought was interesting. Um, it's best music original musical or comedy score because uh, they used to split it even as early you know as late as the 90s between musical score, comedy score, and like dramatic score. Um, dramatic score, English Patient won. Um, but the nominees for original musical or comedy score are Emma, James and the Giant Peach, The First Wives Club. The Hunchback of Notre Dame and The Preacher's Wife, which this is mostly Legends only except for the winner, Emma, in my opinion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen – the only two I've seen here are First Wives Club and Hunchback, which I'm a little embarrassed by. I need to – especially Emma. I'm interested in Emma. I have literally – it's on Netflix and I have um, downloaded it for like multiple flights and then just never watched it. (laughs) Never watched it, yeah. But what an interesting – I wish this category was back. I don't know if you could actually stock it with um like five nominees anymore but like
0: no no but I want it
1: yeah yeah I agree
0: um Yeah, I haven't. I saw Emma years ago and thought it was sort of slight, and don't remember the music about it. James and the Giant Peach, bro, you have to see it. It is one of the best animated films of all times. It's It's so good. Scared me
1: so much as a kid, like as a little kid, I was like, "What the fuck is this?"
0: Yeah, I could see being. Yeah, it's it's pretty. There's some scary shit in it for sure. There's some scary shit in it, but the animation, it's like stop motion, is so fucking incredible. Oh, it's the best, and the songs are awesome. Um, hunchback, great songs. Not a great yeah. Disney film necessarily, but you know, the First Wives Club, iconic. I don't know if I mean, yeah, it's probably more for score, obviously, than anything because there's not really any other music in it. I don't think there is anyway, right?
1: Yeah, I I mean I truly I that that movie's great. I like that movie a lot. Yeah. Um I I cannot think of what the music was. The only song I can think of is them singing at the end, but that's not obviously not original. <laughs>
0: right? Yeah, and I, like I don't know if that would count. But like um, the preacher's wife. I mean, Whitney Houston is is in that film, obviously. There's, right? That's why that got nominated. We don't even need to talk about why. So it's wild to me that Emma of all things won, which is of of this group the least. Like, the one thing in this group that has no one remembers any music from, basically.
1: Yeah, especially since, like, the re- big reason I haven't watched it yet is, like, it came out around the same time as Clueless, and I'm like, why just, why, just watch Clueless? Like, it's exactly. like, no, like, what is this for?
0: Yeah. It's also just funny. What, needs,
1: what was it? What needs this when you have Clueless, which is perfect. Exactly, 100%. And um, also, if this category was around today, I 100% think it would be Disney every year. Um, which is why I think it's funny that like Hunchback didn't win because it shows you how like Disney's dominance has only grown since the 90s if that was around today it'd be every winner would be Disney
0: oh absolutely it'd be like yeah well Moana should have won everything I still can't believe it didn't win best song Um,
1: I always forget it didn't win and I'm like damn that's a great song it's bullshit especially in the world where that where where Sting Street didn't get nominated I'm like you didn't give it to Moana Jesus people
0: I don't know. The world's the Oscars are full of shit. Uh,
1: we love them, but they're bullshit.
0: <laughs> we love them, but they're bullshit. Uh, so our final segment is For Your Consideration, where we um, <laughs> spot uh, What a year. <laughs> yeah, buckle in for another hour, people. You're ready. I should have set aside an hour and a half for this part. Um, <laughs> you can start.
1: <laughs> well, let's just get it out of the way. Should we just talk about Bounds?
0: <laughs> should we talk about what? Bounds. <laughs> Yes, please.
1: <laughs> um, Bound's the best. It's like it's it, like that's the first one that jumps out to me when I um, look at the movies from this year. That um, I don't know the Wachowskis are are really wonderful, and I've only grown to like them more as they're away from us. And yeah. um, Bound is probably the last Wachowski that I saw in terms of like when I saw it at, at a given time. But like, man, if it didn't like just revive my interest in them as filmmakers and. Um, I, I love this movie. I I, I own it on Blu-ray. Um, I've watched Bound so many times in my life. And obviously it never had any chance at the Oscars <laughs> for many reasons. But it
0: showed up. Here's a question, though. Tilly in supporting? Or no. No, Tilly in lead and Gershon in supporting?
1: I'd have to watch it again to know for sure. Um i'm just just like it's so good it's clearly we've
0: talked about this movie a lot offline because i literally assumed that you would nominate both of them and you didn't
1: question didn't argue it i it's like it's tough they're they're both so good i think of like that shot of jennifer tilly like laying down with the money around her all the time it is so good (laughs) like
0: I watched that for the first time earlier this year. Uh, You know this, but like if I, my fucking wig was in space, I just couldn't (laughs) handle it. I was like, I I saw it at the Alamo and it was like fully, I didn't, it it didn't say it on there, but it was like fully a lesbian's only screening. And I was like, I feel like I'm not gay enough to be in here. Like I was like, am I allowed like to sit in this theater to watch this? Like bro, there's, they're both so good in that. Like Jennifer Tilly is so fucking brilliant in that movie. It's like, shameful it's shameful
1: yeah and it's Gina Gershon like really like changing her persona ever so slightly to be a little more butch and everything and it's like it's fascinating to watch it's
0: Kristen Stewart realness and I'm here for it
1: people watch fucking bound it's so good um I feel like it's finally kind of gotten like appreciation in the mainstream because the Wachowskis have like I think people like them again at least on some level but god it's so good yeah. Reboot that next, Wachowski is like to Matrix Four and then do Bound again. Do Bound two. Yeah, <laughs> Bound the bounding. <laughs> um, two of two. Um, three. There are three others that I really want to talk about. There's a lot of good movies yeah, from this year, but um, there's Scream is just I mean informative for I think most '90s people, but like oh, that yeah. movie was a big deal for me. <laughs> like I I loved Scream. I don't even like you all know it's good. I watch it every Halloween. Like it's it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, one movie that uh, Romeo and Juliet, like with by Baz Luhrmann, um, I saw it in high school. Like I liked it quite a bit. I, I bought the soundtrack, <laughs> um, and it's like I think it's good. And then like one English degree later, I um <laughs> I watched it recently with a friend of mine who like she and I are both like we both did the English program at Rutgers together. We're both really into Shakespeare. We see a lot of productions together. Um... We watched it together, and um, she had never seen it, and I had not seen it since high school, probably. And I was like, "Oh, it probably won't be that good. Like, it's probably like a like a not. It hasn't aged great. It aged better than I thought. Like, I like it so much more watching it now. Like, both on imagine, especially now that you're like fully, fully, you know,
0: queer mat. Like, yeah, (laughs) oh. No, the young Hearts Run Free is honestly one of the most transcendent scenes of all time in film, ever.
1: It is phenomenal, both as, like, this distillation of the 90s into one piece of film. Like, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's the 90s incarnate. And then um, also, like, Baz Luhrmann just gets that play in a way that, like, I think a lot of people that adapt traditional versions of it don't get. Like, he gets the subtext. He gets, like... Little little things about the characters that like aren't necessarily apparent unless you really, really read the text and everything. Um, he gets how horny it is. Like it's not like this like love story. It is like this movie, but very hormonal teens. And I just think, yeah, it's it is. He's such a good director. I think I think the same way about Gatsby. Like I think like he. He understands that text better than most people who do regular, very by the book adaptations do, and I, um, I, I think he's phenomenal. I, I, Romeo and Juliet, so good. Claire Danes, robbed of an Oscar nomination. That shot of her with the angel wings on, on the balcony is just what cinema is all about. <laughs> like it's... it is, and
0: the score there is so good. This it's so sweeping and romantic, and like, you know, we've you and I have talked online about like is Leo good, um. <laughs> And he's he's good in this in that uh I said it to you, but like the tone is so insane, and the level is so insane that he is kind of not great in it, but it works because of what he's given like mm-hmm. he's this he does the same performance in Marvin's room, but it doesn't make sense in that
1: <laughs> yeah, no he had one mode as a kid, and it's like like I think this mo this movie's just more in line with what his mode is,
0: yeah. Yeah, and he's very good. I like him a lot in this. I mean, he's so dreamy. This was realistically Titanic is what really sent girls my that you know my age at the time into a tizzy and like made us you know paste pictures on our wall or whatever. But like I remember seeing this first, I think, and being like, oh shit, this is like who did who did this young man? Who did this pretty boy? <laughs> he's um,
1: he's he's pretty in it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, when he it's that thing of like. I think one of his best acting moments of all time is when they see each other through the fish tank. It's so stupid, <laughs> but it's so <laughs> good. It's so good. When they see each other through the fish tank and he's so attracted to her that he bumps into the fish tank because it's like it's clear and he's just like his nose briefly hits it cuz he just wants to talk to her so bad. I think that's so bizarrely like sexy and and sums up everything that that moment should be is that they instantly fall in love and there's instantly a connection of Realistically, as you said,
1: insane teenage sexuality. Yeah. Oh, God. I love it so much. It's such a good movie. I, it's honestly like one of the best Shakespeare film adaptations. (laughs) Like that. That just like fully gets the play. I don't know. I love it. And then, um, one more really fast. Um, The Birdcage, which is similar to Jerry Maguire. Um, one of those R-rated movies I just watched from a very young age uh, because my parents liked it a lot and they didn't really care. It's a light, light R. Like, they, they didn't really care about me seeing it. And um, I love this movie. It had been, like, ten years since I had last watched it, maybe even more, honestly. Um, and I watched it, like, a few a few months ago, before we decided to do, the, do this episode on the podcast, but, like, um, <coughs> relatively recently. And um, I watched it with a friend's, who were both queer and I was like anxious because I was like, what if it's aged badly and is like offensive on some level? But I think it's like weirdly a very sweet movie that, um, like I really appreciate the message about it being about like be flamboyant, be femme, like be as like queer as you want to be or be as like, like, like queerness is a spectrum and you're allowed to be anywhere on the spectrum at that you want to be. and It doesn't like diminish who you are, and it's a very sweet and endearing movie that I love a lot. Um, that I think is aged actually weirdly beautifully. And um, as I alluded to, it
0: still resonates now, don't you think? I mean, the, the
1: oh, mask yeah. band thing. Absolutely, it's like it still really resonates, and um, in a weird way, especially tied with um, the fact that for those who don't know, it's about like um, Robin Williams and Nathan Lane are a gay couple who run a um a drag bar together, and um, their son, Robin Williams' son from a previous relationship with a woman um, is getting married to the daughter of a Republican Senator and he needs them to pretend to be a straight family for like the meeting (laughs) of the in-laws and especially tied with the political angle of it, which I forgot about. I forgot that he's like a Republican Senator. um, It feels so relevant today of just like, uh, I mean, it's a little more um, light I think of like a, like a political view than we would get today, but it still feels relevant and, um, I don't know. And yeah, I, shit like,
0: wasn't as dire back then. You yeah, know? if
1: we made it today, it would be, like, like much darker. But yeah. we're getting something kind of like it with Kristen Stewart next year. Um, it's not quite the same. Like, it's not going to have, like, a drag element to it or anything. But, like, where Kristen Stewart is in a lesbian, li- lesbian relationship with Mackenzie Davis and, like, one of their parents is a conservative senator or something like that. And I'm like, please, like, give me this rom-com. <laughs> um, but as I alluded to before, um... Nathan Lane absolutely is my supporting actor win. I think like blows every other performance of those five out of the water. Um, Honey, you're wasting your gum is one of the best lines in any movie in (laughs) recent memory. (laughs) God, I love it. Uh,
0: I'm sorry, I'm I'm daydreaming about her and uh, Mackenzie Davis.
1: Uh, It's really Thanksgiving. Can't bring that up. Can't bring it
0: up in the pod, man. I'm trying to, you know, and directed by Claire Duvall. I mean, stop. Mm -hmm. Oh
1: boy can't wait.
0: Um god bless America. <laughs>
1: um, Thanksgiving 2020, get hyped. What
0: was I talking about? Yeah, I totally forgot. Um okay, so the movies I would have said, you said a lot of them honestly. I mean, listen, 1996 is iconic mm-hmm. as a as a year of film. Like we talk about 99 a lot like and we have been on the site, but like it's insane how many movies are so formative from 1996. Scream changes the game. Realistically, Romeo plus Juliet changes the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, so many things change the fucking game. Like, some of the things we've talked about, even, um, that were nominated for for stuff. Bound changes so many games. Um, but, like, <laughs> I think there's a couple other ones that are worth mentioning. Uh, some of them were nominated in smaller categories. I This is going to sound like a joke, but I fucking mean it. It's a little insane to me that Independence Day... Didn't get nominated for more shit. Like that film. Listen, the sequel's bad, terrible. But I rewatched I this. Yeah, Independence Day. I watched re- rewatched recently, and it is absolutely the highest possible level of Hollywood filmmaking. It is spectacle on a grand scale, and those images that come from it are everybody's seen the White House blown up thing. As a, as a GIF or whatever, everybody's seen that. Um, the special effects in it are insane. And that's what I got nominated for. Um, but it's perfect Hollywood filmmaking. And like, you can see, this is the year that they stop acknowledging that. Realistically, at Hollywood filmmaking in general. Up to this point in history, and like, I, you can, I, I say that, but Titanic is the next year and that's big Hollywood filmmaking. So, uh, you take that with a grain of salt. Um, but, like, this is the year that really they stop they start ignoring big commercial pictures and when people start to sort of diverge from the Oscars and not connecting with it. Um, and I think that's a shame in terms of independency because I think it's a fucking phenomenal film. I wouldn't nominate in any, like, acting category, certainly, but <laughs> in an, in, like, if you imagine an expanded 10 at that time... You would absolutely put it in. I, th- I think it would have to go in there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I've never
1: seen it actually. It's one of those big blind oh, spots yeah. online that I've never seen, but I got to get to it eventually. It's so long, also. <laughs> I'm just like yeah. shit.
0: <laughs> it's worth it though. I mean, you don't really notice the time. It's so interesting. I mean, like Vivica Fox is great in it, and everybody's very good in it. It's the film that makes you know Will Smith a really a movie star essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very good. You should you should see it, Matt. You, I think you'd actually be really into it.
1: I gotta um, do it for our, my fellow fellow queer man, Roll Nemerich.
0: <laughs> yeah, count, counterintuitively, I think you'd really like it. Um, yeah, it's that's it's so good. Um, that's kind of my my like secondary one. The real one that I would actually go bad for the most is One Fine Day. You ever seen One Fine Day?
1: Let me. I don't, the the name is not bump, bumping up to me. Is that um. The, George Clooney or? George
0: Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer. Never seen
1: it. My mom loves it.
0: <laughs> oh, my, your mom and I are the same person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm your mother. But like, <laughs> like, bro, you're a rom-com lover. You need, as soon as we are off this, don't go to the Goldfinch. Go <laughs> rent One Fine Day. It is a masterpiece of rom-com. It's a masterpiece. I mean, truly. those
1: leads enough. That's, that's enough for me. <laughs> They're
0: at the height of their powers. They're at the height of their powers. They are two single parents with children who um, who are, like, supposed to, um, like, carpool, essentially. Like, one is going to pick up the other kid to bring to the um, the field trip. Because uh, the like Michelle Pfeiffer's character and the mother of the 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 ex-wife of Clooney's character um, like have a thing that set up for picking up the kids and he's doing it for the first time so he fucks up obviously because he's you know a man um, and then they basically have to spend the entire day with the kids trading them off between their jobs um, while because the kids they can't bring them to school they're on the kids are on a field trip and the one of them has the goldfish for the class and they have to carry around the goldfish all day um, and it's. It's masterful. It is. Their chemistry is wild, and they are beautiful. And it's got little Alex DeLins um, in it, and uh, and May Whitman is the is the
1: other. Little I knew it was May. I'm like, oh, May Whitman, shit, like that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> you,
0: ha- I, Matt, I cannot believe you've not seen this movie. Please watch this film. Like both of them are talk about fucking chemistry and romance. I would get nominate them both in these categories. I'm put here up, for it. I haven't seen
1: it. I'm here for it.
0: Both in lead, put the kids in supporting. And I don't I the director, I'm not gonna do that. I mean it's fine looking. I would give it cinematography maybe and possibly, <laughs> possibly a possibly a score. But it uh, wins nine know,
1: Oscars at the Marissa Carpico. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's like in, in my world it's like a fully uh, a, a really tight race between one fine day scream and the English patient. Um, foundational foundational everyone um and they run around new york and it's like a great new york picture because like a lot of times you'll see a New York film and they're like, Okay, those are two fully different neighborhoods, like yeah. right next to each other. Let's not let's not pretend. But this one's it's very good because they have to constantly run up and down the city and there's like crap all around. It's the best. You have to you have to see one five day, Matt.
1: <laughs> I, I'm going to rent it at some point now. <laughs> like I need to. I do like rom com days with my friends and I'm just gonna be like, We're doing that one. <laughs>
0: <That's> it's such <laughs> a huge hole in, in your in your like in your your knowledge. Oh, it's it's I love it. Uh, friends and I watch it all the time.
1: I'm excited yeah
0: all right those are mine um Good year. any last thoughts before we wrap up
1: everyone go watch bounce that's what, that's my thoughts like please go watch bounce
0: yeah double feature one fine day and bound real weird,
1: real weird real <laughs> what away. a it, what a lineup that would be
0: it probably doesn't make sense but i would do
1: it like Wachows- that's, the bachowski sisters we don't deserve them that's what i I, I truly think <laughs>
0: um so that's our 1996 episode that went long but it's 1996 i'm not gonna shorten it
1: (laughs) the english patient deserves a long episode (laughs) exactly
0: it's this is this is my whole life people i'm not gonna cut it short um our next episode is gonna be 1979 uh also a fucking great year in film Mm -hmm. um and matt will be hosting that um i'm at marissa carpico uh everywhere uh matt where are you
1: I'm at, on Twitter at MattNightMathV1, and, and you can find me on Letterboxd at Matt, too. All right. Uh, tune in for
0: 1979. 1979. Thanks, everyone.